to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chicky Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917-889-3675. So sit back, relax, and remember, Southern Sense is Common Sense. shortages, supply chain breakdowns continue to have a domino effect on everything, especially food production. Farmers can't plant as many crops now because of fertilizer shortages, forced regulations, and of course, high fuel prices. This will cause more painful food shortages when we run out of the food we're eating now. You know, food takes time to grow. So when farmers don't plant, well, months later, we don't eat. That's why you need to prepare for an increasing number of food shortages. And the best way is to invest in ready-hour emergency food from My Patriot Supply. It's a perfect hedge against skyrocketing prices and shortages. Right now, save $50 on a four-week food kit from My Patriot Supply. Go to preparewithsouthernsense.com and get your $50 savings on a four-week emergency food kit that average over 2,000 calories per day. That's preparewithsouthernsense.com. Those who know what's coming are getting prepared now. Well, if you don't want to type in that whole big thing saying preparewithsouthernsense.com and you're on my website, which is Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense, as in commonsense.com, you can easily click on My Patriot Supply and go directly to the website and get your $50 savings. As I'm telling you now, those who know what's coming are getting prepared right now. Shouldn't you? Prepare with southern-sense.com. 
at southern-sense.com. Click on My Patriot Supply. Do it now. And welcome back to another messed up broadcast with Southern Sense live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Global Enlightenment Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, uh, half a dozen other places. Just go to the name of the show, Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the mostest, the Radio Chickadee, Annie. And I have a co-host here, Curtis C.S. Bennett, but he seems to be dropping in and out so he may be with me and may not looks like the storm just knocked out his wi-fi so i'm going to be winging it a bit a little bit by myself and we'll see how far we get so hopefully curtis has got himself back in here again uh curtis are you back with us i'm back with a lot of background noise from above booming and lightning <laughs> well <laughs> Well, you're sending it our way, so we've got a lot of booming and lightning going on over here, too. (laughs) Jeez. Wow. Ah, Can we ever have a show where it's not messed up? (laughs) But folks, this is live. I want to welcome everyone that's listening to us here live on Blog Talk Radio in the chat room, as well as over on Facebook and YouTube Live. And you can also watch or listen to us on our homepage, which is the name of the show, Southern Sense, with a dash in the middle southern-sense.com. We got ourselves a jammed-up lineup. And if someone signed in earlier, they would have seen Ted Yoho. Ted Yoho is going to be with us next week, former Congressman Ted Yoho. I mean, I can mess up a wet dream. (laughs) Trust me, it's the way I am operating today. That's a problem when you sleep more than 10 hours. Holy moly. Mm, You don't know which end is up. Anyway. Well, I got um, a lot of sleep, too, last night. I got like about eight hours, so I'm doing good. (laughs) <laughs> well, we got ourselves a jammed up lineup here today, and if I can manage not to mess this up, there's a new web browser out there called Tusk, T-U-S-K, as in the tusk of an elephant, and an elephant is the logo of this new browser, and it's for conservatives, for people like you and I, that when we go to hit the search engine trying to look for something, we can't find the page because we're being um, censured. Uh, they're just directing us to websites that they want us to look at, not at what we want to find. So Tusk founder Jeffrey Berment is going to be with us. And then we have a former DHS and ICE and Homeland Security, as well as an Interpol special agent. This guy's all over the place. He's got a new book out called Switch, Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent, Eric Karen. And that friend of mine, she lives right near me. Uh, I didn't know that until I saw her at one of our, our meetings as well, because she's been a former guest on the show. She's the director of policy studies for the Center for Immigration Studies, a fantastic immigration website for conservatives to hit. Her name is Jessica Vaughn, very lovely lady. Uh, and then we're going to have come back Peter Navarro. We had him on with the last book he had written. He's got a new one coming out on the 20th of this month called Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back. Peter Navarro, former Trump advisor. And, of course, this is our bi-monthly hookup with Mark Tapscott from the Epic Times, or as he says, the Epoch Times. Both are correct. And also coming back on the show is the chief news correspondent and manager uh, of investigative reporting, uh, at the Daily Signal, Fred Lucas. So we've got ourselves a really, really, really busy show. 
more guests than normal, but uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, should be a lot of fireworks, too, with some of these um, thoughts about Trump coming back. I was just talking to somebody yesterday who thought Trump shouldn't run again. They like him, but they, they're caught up on his his mouth <laughs> and personality. But I'm caught up on what he does, what he accomplishes. Well, that's true, because I have a friend of mine, he waffles between whether or not Trump should run or shouldn't run. And I said, look at what good is being done for the country. Look at what the person actually does. People say one thing, right. but they always do something different. Very few people right. actually are who, you know, what they say they're going to do. Well, as I said, this is, this is like Trump making a pot of spaghetti. You want to know if the pasta's done? You take it and you throw it against the wall. What sticks is done. What doesn't stick is not done. What sticks to the wall is what he goes with, because if he sees it works, if it's something that can be done well, he's going to do it. Look at what the man does. Forget about the, the, the hubris up on social media. Forget about that. But look at his actual actions. And the very same thing is, look at, look at creepy Uncle Joe, his speech last night. Oh, my God. I mean, I sat down and replayed the whole thing, and I just was trying not to throw up. It was disgusting how anti-American, <laughs> how divisive, how socialistic it was, how fascist no. it was. No, we're the dangerous no. ones. Our side is, according yeah. to him. Yeah. We're the threat to mm-hmm. democracy. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting to see a, a black SUV pull up in my driveway and take me away in a pair of handcuffs and leg irons like they did to Peter Navarro. Anyway, we got ourselves a really, really busy show. And I want to, again, want to thank everyone that is joining us here today. Um, those that do join us know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Deputy Constable Jennifer Lauren Chavis of the Harris County, Texas. Uh, her end of watch was Saturday, April 2nd of this year. And believe it or not, this is from MSN.com. And the contributors to it are staff writers Sam Gonzalez Kelly and Nicole Hensley. And this reads, they'd hear her, her bright laugh fill the office as she proclaimed, the queen has arrived. Chavis' voice was silenced early that Saturday evening after a vehicle driven by a man accused of driving drunk slammed into the back of her patrol vehicle, setting the car ablaze and killing the 32-year-old peace officer. It was devastating, Constable May Walker said. She was a tremendous officer. Law enforcement had been a natural fit for Chavis, according to her brother Darius Daniels. She was always putting herself in the role of a protector, he said, no matter what she was doing. Chavis grew up the eldest of three kids in a home near Liberty, Daniels said, and always looked out for her younger siblings. She joined the Army after high school and spent six years in uniform. Later, she moved to Perland and decided on a career in policing. She studied criminal justice at the University of Houston downtown and then received a master's degree from the Texas Southern University. 
The work was long and didn't, didn't leave much time for socializing. But she soon gained a reputation as a hard-working deputy with a big heart. She wanted the best for you, Deputy Leslie Williams said. They got each other last summer after Chavis arrived at the toll road division. Chavis loved to talk about her four-year-old son and 11-year-old nephew, he said. Recalling one shift where she regaled him about the two boys leaving a mess in her truck, alternately annoyed and amused. She soon learned that he had aspirations to be an investigator, and she pushed him to pursue that dream. She never settled, he said, so she wouldn't let you settle. They saw each other practically every day at the end of their shifts when they headed to a gas station for a fuel up at their patrol vehicles. And most every night, when one deputy caught a call, the other was always there as backup, he said. Deputy Lamar Wright noticed her, really noticed her. One night late last year after Chavis pulled a car over that had no license plates, the woman had started crying and told Chavis she didn't know how to install them. When Wright arrived on the scene to back up Chavis, he found her crouched by the side of the road, screwing the plates onto the car. Sometimes it's not about tickets. It's about the people, he said. He said she told him that. It made me look at her totally different for her. It was just simply that the person needed help. Over the months, Chavis started taking on trickier assignments negated several road rage shootings and said, said Sergeant Scott. She also was quick to join in when the department received word of a drunken driver tearing down the freeway. She would station her vehicle to the side of the road and wait for the motorist to pass, then turn on her lights and pull up behind the wayward vehicle. That was the plan that Saturday. Precinct 7 got a call that a drunken driver was traveling down the beltway near Fondren. Javis pulled over, waiting for the motorist to drive by. Instead, police say, 36-year-old Adolfo Serrano veered out of his lane and slipped into a patrol vehicle, setting the car alight. Other deputies to the scene spotting the smoke room from miles away. When Scott was a few miles away when he heard the report over the radio that one of his deputy's cars had gotten hit. When he arrived at the scene, he found the blaze. He expected to see Chavis standing by the car, but she was missing. He saw flames licking the inside of the car and attacked the glass with the flashlight, but it wouldn't break. Finally, he stepped back and hurled the window. He couldn't see through the flames and the inflated airbag. He recalled that he and other day deputies worked feverishly trying to get Chavis out of the vehicle. They tried ripping the door open only to have a handle come off. Rucker drivers arrived with fire extinguishers, but that didn't work either. Williams tried to break open the passenger window but had to step back. There was too much smoke, too many flames, he said, choking up. The Chavis was just a year or two older. He always joked but she was like his mom. It was very emotional for me to see her like that, he said. Chavis died at the scene. She is survived by her husband, Quincy, and her son. The news struck hard in Harris County, where another lawman, Darren Almendares, died earlier last week.
In a news release, Mayor Sylvester Turner urged motorists to be more careful on the roads. There are too many impaired drivers on our roads, he said. As a result, people are being seriously injured or killed. There is no excuse for endangering the lives of law enforcement and innocent motorists. Serrano is charged with felony intoxication manslaughter of a peace officer. He appeared in the 107th District Court where Judge Robert Johnson presides. Johnson ordered him to be held without bail. Serrano had previously been arrested on charges of burglary, assault, drunken driving, and marijuana possession. Crash happened as Chavis was poised to pull Serrano over. Police said he crashed into a vehicle early and fled, prompting motorists to call 911. Where Serrano had been drinking prior to the crash remains under investigation, said Sean Tier, head of the Vehicle Crimes Division of Harris County District Attorney's Office. Cited Serrano's criminal history out of Brazoria County, two convictions that included a charge of driving while under the influence for keeping Serrano jailed without bail. The killing has left Chavis' relatives and her co-workers reeling. They grieved for a woman who was a mother, a sister, a daughter, and a friend. A woman who made the job a bit more and a bit kinder. She was awesome, man. She really was, Wright said. The way she loved people and cared about people, it was amazing. It wasn't a job to her. She enjoyed helping folks. That's what made her special. And from her obituary, it reads, Jennifer Lauren Chavis was born to Tanya Childress and Johnny Fowler III on May 4th of 1989 in Baytown, Texas. She grew up in Ames, Texas, where she was surrounded by the love and support of her extended family. She was often fond, found at her grandparents' home playing in ditches with her cousins and chasing her grandfather's chickens around the property. On the weekends, she spent her time with her great-grandmother, volunteering as the official taste tester for his culinary endeavors. One of Jennifer's true passions in life was being a big sister to her younger sister and brother. As their self-appointed second mom, Jennifer protected, scolded, and loved her siblings with all her might. She was their chauffeur, chef, tutor, bodyguard, shoulder to cry on, cheerleader, and best friend. While at school, Jennifer was a member of her school's volleyball track and drill teams. She graduated from Liberty High in May of 2007 and left for basic training for the United States Army after graduation. She served in the military for six years as a 42 Alpha. She represented the United States military in Germany, several African nations, and completed a tour in the Middle East. While in Germany, Jennifer met and fell in love with the love of her life, Quincy Chavis. She completed her military service in 2013 under honorable conditions and returned to her family in Texas. Although Jennifer had left the military, she continued to serve her country and community. She enrolled in college to pursue her bachelor's degree in criminal justice while working full-time with the Texas Veterans Commission. She was a strong advocate for disabled veterans in her professional and personal life. In 2014, she established a nonprofit to help veterans defray costs associated with adopting and training service animals. 
She married Quincy Chavis on July 11, 2015, and the couple made their home in Pearland, Texas. She gave birth to their son, Billion Andrew Chavis, on May 1, 2017. She graduated from the University of Houston downtown with her Bachelor's of Science in Criminal Justice and immediately joined their police academy program. In 2019, she received her Executive Master of Administration of Justice from Texas Southern University. She was currently pursuing her doctorate. She joined the Kappa Epsilon Psi Military Sorority in 2020, and she became an NRA instructor, an LTC instructor in 2021, and was working to open Billions Gun Range. Jennifer lived for her boys. Every spare moment of her life was dedicated to finding new adventures for her son and nephew, Cadence. They explored many corners of the world and created fun-filled memories together. She lived an exploratory life devoted to service of others and loving her family. She is survived by her parents, Tanya and Johnny, and her husband, Quincy, her son, Billion, and nephew, Cadence Humphrey. Today's show is dedicated to Deputy Constable Jennifer Lauren Chavis. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve as our first responders from the birth of this nation through today, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. And we also dedicate it to our brave military. We dedicate this song by my friend Todd Allen Harrigan, My Name is America. May God bless each. Challenged by tyrants, who envy. 
Once again, doy, Curtis, next time I do that, talk. <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep on forgetting I mute myself during <laughs> music dedication. Oh, jeez. I hope you all can I hear me I thought I was having a technical uh, issue. No. I was checking to make sure have... I didn't. Yeah, that's the time I do that, which I did last week. I did it once again this week. <laughs> Curtis, just keep on talking. <laughs> just go, hey, listen. All hey, right. Annie, dummy. Unmute yourself. I'm like, maybe I dropped out or something. <laughs> oh, man. I told you I could mess up a wet dream today. <laughs> it's just... Oh, no. It's just a stormy day. Uh, that it is. That it is. Oh, man. Anyway, we got ourselves a jam-up show, and um, I don't know how many of you were able to tolerate watching uh, Biden with his speech last night. It was it that was the world's worst speech. I mean, I was going to go and print it out just to read it over, and I just I, I don't I don't have I'm sorry I don't have the intestinal fortitude to do that. I would have probably ripped it up and puked all over it, whatever. But oh my God, that that was disgusting. It was absolutely a most disgusting. And what I feel bad for are the um, Marines that were forced to stand there at attention throughout that whole thing. And I don't know if anyone else <laughs> looked at it, but it looked like it was a holographic background. It didn't really look right. It it, it looked, uh, you can't say staged. photoshopped, whatever they call it. Staged. Yeah, it was definitely staged. It didn't look real or natural. And the red background, how communistic can you get? I mean, it's... It was from from the get go. Everything looked wrong. It looked way wrong. Well, I hear my understanding is sometimes they do that um, when they don't want him to leave the White House. You know, they they have all this high tech um, video capability, so they they can make him seem like he's in Hawaii if they want to with the background using those. Um, well, anyone can do that. Them? Blue and green screens, anyway. but I mean they take it to another level. Yeah. Yeah. It, that it is. That it is. And I'm trying to make sure that we get our next guest. And our next guest is supposed to be Jeff uh, Berman, who was supposed to be with us last week. But if you remember, um, he had contracted COVID. So hopefully he was well enough to join us today. And I was waiting for his agent to uh, get back to me. And everything looked like it was uh, 
was a go. But uh, I don't see him coming up in the in the studio. Anyway, if, if anyone else saw it, um, oh, Sasquatch put it in the uh, in the uh, chat room that according to Town Hall, uh, the uh, the periodical, it looked like it reminded some people of the Nuremberg rallies. Yes. Actually, I heard that also on commentary in Newsmax. Um, I was hearing the very, very same thing being said about that. That it looked a lot like the Nuremberg trials. And it, that's freaky. That is really freaky scary. You know, Would you talk, it, talk it, about it his speech really, last night? The whole, the whole backdrop. The whole setup. Oh, it actually okay. did. If you looked at the the videos of the Nuremberg trial and compared it to what Biden just did, that's what it looked like. I mean, really, really, really bad. Really, really bad. And I'm trying to get a hold of the agent to make sure that his guy calls in. So just bear with me, folks, as I. Okay. I want to stay in a different time zone. I hope not. Because then they may I be taking their not. time. I hope not. But what was your impression? Yeah. Did you watch it at all? Not. Unfortunately or fortunately, I try not to watch by and I get angry every time I see that guy. But... um like I said, I, I'm not surprised by anything that they they put on uh, display for Americans, um, the lies they tell. And instead of addressing the issues, his his way to respond to his failing economy and and world events is to point the fingers at Trump, who is no longer in office, and the Republicans, you know, and. I really think the American people, even those on the left, are wise to this and uh, are really getting tired of it because he has no solutions. And why they would be concerned is they stand the most to suffer from his failings, you know, during these elections coming up. And that's why I think they are concerned. What do you mean background be- noise from your end? Do you, have, do you have a radio or something on in the background? Because we're getting like some squeaky sounds. Oh, I don't have a radio on. Um, I think the TV, I can have that turned down a little bit more. Hold yes, on. Because we're getting squeaky sounds. <laughs> it's like Tweety Birds. <laughs> and Duck writes, he'd rather hear birds than O'Biden. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was do you still hear it? attack. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's coming through. Maybe mm. even your microphone could be coming with it. I don't know. Mm. But the uh, speech was like every other sentence was an attack on either Trump or MAGA followers or Trump followers. I mean, if you're a Trump follower, if you're a MAGA person, uh, if you're pro-Trump or you were Trump, you were bad. You were evil for this country. You were destructive for this country. I have never seen such a hateful speech from a president. I don't think any president has ever given such a hateful, hateful speech. And instead of uniting this nation, he just tore us further apart. And if if you were a decent person listening to this, and if you were sitting on the left of the aisle, and you were not revolted by how much he was attacking half of the nation, 
then shame on you. Shame on you. And I was listening to some of these people on CNN, MSNBC, and some of the other left-leaning mainstream or lamestream media cheering him, cheering him on for, for attacking fellow Americans, for, simply for the fact that we held a different opinion of how this nation should be led than he does, or that the socialist dictated leadership's pulling the strings on puppet Biden. Well, to me, I mean, that just shows that they have an agenda, and that agenda is to, to destroy us. I mean, there are some on our side that think, you know, all we need to do is just try to reach out and understand the Democrats and work with them. I always say, how can you well, work with somebody that's out to de- destroy you? Well, it looks like we may have our guest in on the line, and I do believe this is Jeffrey Berman, the founder and CEO of the new web browser, Tusk. Do I? You do. Uh, good morning. I didn't realize I needed to call you instead of you calling me, but here I am. Well, I was I was never given your phone number to call. <laughs> so oh, oh, well, it's open line <laughs> with me. Uh, believe me, I get calls all the time, mostly from my wife. <laughs> Well, that's a good call. Unless she was telling you, yes, she was ma'am. yelling at you for getting for getting to bring the eggs and milk home. <laughs> uh, yes, that, that could be too. But uh, yes, no. Uh, good morning to you. I uh, I hope that you are feeling well. You know, you're you're just recovering from COVID. Matter of fact, my baby sister is also recovering from her third bout of COVID. Jeez, uh, she also yeah, got the jab. Like- she had COVID, got the jab, and then got COVID again, and then a second time got COVID. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Uh, I, got, I got the first. I got the first COVID, and then I got the rebound. They took all the medicine. They told me to take, and I got the rebound, which was worse than the original COVID. So I, I've had it twice. Luckily, it's uh, it's not as dangerous as it used to be. Um, and and all the shots. And I was just commenting. Big Pharma did really well on this because they must have made a fortune uh, with all of us getting shots and all. And then all of us getting COVID. Yeah. Oh, we, we were talking about that last week, how the billions of, mo- of dollars had been made by Moderna, Pfizer, uh, Glasgow, all of these big farmers pushing for a vaccine that had not been officially tested. Now they're coming out with a new booster for the newest strain, but it has yet to been pra- uh, tried out on any human being. I'd love to see what the propaganda is behind this one. And, yeah, but I'm, this is what. Yeah, I'll wait. I'll wait before I get my next jab since the first, last <laughs> jab didn't do any good, and uh, we'll see. Well, uh, I'm, a lot of people are not happy with me because I went to my doctor. I even took my 90 year old mom to my doctor, and my doctor had COVID, and several of his people in his practice had COVID. And I sat down with him after he recovered, and I went over our medical records and everything. And he advised my mom and I to not get the jab because we have a, a cardiac conditions. He said, don't do it. Yeah. You're at a greater risk for a side effect, having a heart attack, even dying from the jab than from getting COVID. And so whenever I go somewhere, have you been in, uh, vaccinated? No, I can't be. <laughs> that shuts him down well, right remember there. You can't, remember, you can't, you can't play in the U.S. Open. We can let everybody... Uh, come over the border without uh, COVID shots, but you can't let the number one tennis player in the world come over because he didn't get a COVID shot. That's oh, exactly. more than ridiculous. 
<laughs> exactly. Matter of fact, we're going to have my uh, friend Jessica Vaughn on later on in the show. Um, we're going to be talking about the unvaccinated coming over, uh, Mayor Lightfoot going ape over the fact that uh, Governor Abbott shipped a whole busload of <laughs> illegal aliens into Chicago. Yeah. And somehow that's, racist. somehow that's racist, but uh, letting everybody over the border, I, I don't even understand the comment. It's just so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but but these these communities should should feel what Texas, I mean, I understand Texas, Texas is getting, we're getting the brunt of this. You know, we should be able to ship people to other places. They want to go there. And I don't understand Lori Lightfoot or any of these other mayors that then object to it and uh, and they're being overburdened, but, but Texas is not being overburdened. Doesn't make any sense. No. Oh, but they're, they're sanctuary cities. And they're, they're, they're oh, sanctuary that's cities, right. But they don't want to give sanctuary, right? Yeah. Well, you've uh, got it's, uh, a great, crazy. You you started a great new web browser just this past May called Tusk, and people can find it by going to tuskbrowser.com. I've downloaded it onto my uh, phone. I have it on my laptop. And I've been playing around with it, and I'm having fun with it. So when I was doing my homework for the show notes today, I was using your browser to pull up everything, and I was also comparing it to the search results I was getting on the other browsers. Now, I normally use DuckDuckGo. What is different mm-hmm. about yours than we would find on any other web browser, such as DuckDuckGo? So that's a great question. Um, so what we do uh, – um, in the browser, and we're going to talk about browser and search. There's two different things going on. So in the browser, we want, uh, we want conservatives and people who want the alternative to, um, to I'll say, liberal speak. Uh, if they download our browser, uh, they get a news feed that's conservative, um, you know, and you can mix it up. You can go in and change your settings so that you can have another news feed, but we've set it for conservatives so that you get the latest conservative news, mix it in with a little social fun. And, uh, and we give you links uh, at the top of the browser that allow you easy access to uh, the links that you might like as a conservative. I have, uh, I have Fox News, uh, Daily Wire, uh, uh, Dan Mangino. So those are the ones that you typically see. And it's a reflection for conservatives who I believe have been sort of just eked out. They're, you know, the, the, the biggest issue, and we talked, they talked about it last night, is the censorship going on, and I'm in a fight. I'm one of the leaders to, to literally stop censorship, and the only way you can stop it is you have to build your own. There is no alternative out there that you can go to Yahoo or any of the others. So DuckDuckGo, great private search engine, we will we will be building our own search engine shortly. Um, it's, a, it's a great app. Uh, I don't know to the degree of privacy they truly give you. Uh, you have to dive way into their TOS. But um, we are different because we give you conservative news. You don't have to go search for it. Well, I do find that when I first started with DuckDuckGo, I wasn't getting a lot of these pop-up, you know, saying that, you know, the type of boots I just bought, say, through a website or something I had just purchased, and you'd see ads coming up with similar items. Lately, I've been seeing that on DuckDuckGo, which disappoints me. Um, so I hope when you do those, take that into consideration. 
Yeah, we will be, you know, listen, it, this is a, so that kind of shows me it's a requirement by whoever is providing them their base search. So my understanding is, for instance, DuckDuckDuck does not have their own search. They're using a conglomerate of different uh, ways to, to give you information. But if they're showing you ads, you're not as private as you think you are. Um, which is unfortunate. And unfortunately for us, when we went to our provider, they had the same issue that we couldn't block their, their you know, ads as, as you're searching the web. We want to. We actually have built a, uh, a uh, item that will allow you to block that, but we have to have it put on manually. And unfortunately, iOS doesn't even allow it. So the, the plan next, which is really what I'm after, is building a search engine. This is a big task. This is a, a $10 million, uh, which, would, which would provide the way I see the web, the way I see search. You should be able to see what you want to see first and not be, I'll say, force-fed by, by other people as to what you should read. And that is a form of censorship in my, my mind, and that's the big thing that I'm now after. Yeah, that was always something, because when I do my dedication uh, to, each show is dedicated to a fallen hero, trying to find information, and they funnel you into certain areas, and it's like, no, that's not what I inputted. You give me something completely different than what I inputted, and I'd be specific about it. I'd put down the person's name and, and town or whatever, and I would constantly be funneled into a different direction. And I'd love to see a web browser that would give me what I am actually asking for and not sending me in the opposite direction. That's one thing yeah, that drives the, me about the, these left-leaning. Yeah, that's a search. And so uh, when you use your web browsers, people, a lot of people don't understand there's a difference between web browser and a search engine. The web browser will take you to whatever you type in by the search. So if you do a search, and let's say you're using Google as your search engine or you're, you're using any of them, even DuckDuckGo, they're going to funnel you to what they think are the most popular links. When we build ours, we're, we're going to be doing ours much differently. We're going to be building it so the most popular links in your repertoire, which might be conservative, will come up first, and the others will come out second. Now, to make this, because I believe in free speech, but to make it fair, you can modif- you'll be able to modify your searches so that if you want to see sort of a 50-50 between liberal and conservative, you can see that. And if you're a liberal or a progressive and you really want to see that or you want to see what progressives are saying about the speech last night, for instance, from Biden, you'll be easily able to go see that you know, with just a click of a button. And that's the vision that I have. And you know, hopefully we'll raise enough money. We're going to do a crowdfunding. Um, and we'll raise enough money to build our own search engine in the, and hopefully before the 24 election so that the Biden-type stories, which just made me mad as, as can be, where they hid this, and the censorship, as you read this morning, the censorship between the government and these, you know, these top-flight um, Silicon Valley companies is ongoing. And, and really, I, it's, it's not okay. No, it's not. I always try to explain the difference between a browser and a search engine, and I, I used to manage businesses. Uh, I say, you're the office manager. There's a file cabinet sitting in the corner of the room. You pick out a specific employee 
tell them what you want and see what they come back with. And each one will come back with something a little bit different depending upon, you know, what you ask them to do. Um, so you're the office manager, you're the browser, and it's the employees Correct. that are the, are the search engines. And that's the way I equate yes. it. Yeah, that would be, uh, you know, that would be probably correct. So what we're going to do next, uh, and I hope people, the only way this will be successful is people come on, even if it's not perfect, we don't have the perfect search yet. Uh, We do give you varied searches. Uh, DuckDuckGo is one of them that we do provide. So we try and give you a range of them, but eventually we'll have our own. And we have step one coming shortly within a month. Now, it won't do the search the way I want it. That's a big raise, and we're going to need a lot of people to, you know, put a little bit of money in. We'll have a crowdfunding to build our own search engine. So it's going to be a popular one for the people, by the people. And I'm very excited about working with lots of people to build this and to build this for conservatives and for people who want free speech. Well, we're seeing a lot of conservatives now, like you, going out into the social media and creating different platforms. For example, Trump with Truth Social. Um, you also have now that you have on your website, freetalk45.com, which I signed up for last night. I haven't got any followers yet, but I signed up for it. But the, but the conservative voice is, is finally saying, Enough is enough. Stop silencing me. I have the same right to have my voice heard as you do. And what really ticked me off is listening to Biden last night and how horrible we are, how how vicious. By you and I just talking like we are, we're insurrectionists. How dare we be MAGA people or Trump supporters or conservatives, heaven forbid, Christian conservatives and gun-toting, too, at the same time. We're out to destroy America. How dare we? Oh, man, we, you, you know, you're really a bad person. Yeah, this, uh, <laughs> you know, I just watched, finished watching a series on, on the Third Reich, and this, that's, that speech sort of scared me a lot, a lot more than normal. And, and I, I, I don't know what he's up to, uh, but it, was, it wasn't a good speech, and it shouldn't have ever been supported by the government. Uh, he should have gone and done his political rally somewhere else. And then if he wanted to uh, reign on the parade of conservatives who just love America, I don't know how we've come into being, uh, you know, anti-America. We are pro-America and we want America first. It's, it's pretty simple. We don't want globalism to run our lives. We don't want to have to follow what everybody else does in the world. Uh, we're the greatest country in the world. And, and I truly believe uh, that we need to speak out, and, and I will continue to speak out. They will not silence me. They will not silence us, and that's the thing that they fear, that that we will not go down quietly into the gentle night. Uh, we will stand our ground, and it's a, they've actually pushed us to that point where we're sticking our heels in and we're saying enough is enough. I listened to that speech, and I've never heard such a hateful speech in my entire life, and I... I love history, and that was one of my fortes, but I've never known any president of this nation to ever have such a hateful, hateful speech. How can you just... It was, yeah, it was very propagandist, as I said. It reminded me, uh, which is funny enough, as they point the finger at us, 
with the censorship that's going on, with the manipulation of the government, uh, with the FBI, this reminds me much more of the Third Reich than we are. You know, that's I've heard a lot of that, and someone in the chat room uh, reminded us that it looked a lot like the Nuremberg trials. You know, with the flag, with the red. You remember the uh, the Nazi flag with yep. the red lights on it, and two Gestapo standing on either side of it. Here you've got these poor Marines that are forced to to stand there throughout this whole disgusting diatribe that that whoever wrote this, I mean. Is a traitor to our nation. There's no other way to say it. It, it, it writes such mm-hmm. like a hateful speech. There's nothing more than you yeah. want to do than to destroy this nation. Well, I, sure. I agree with you. I, we, yes. Yeah, this is co-host. It's good to know that more and more people coming out and um, putting their money where their mouth is and challenging the left, especially when it comes to social media. I'm talking about people like yourself and Elon Musk. And I'm sure with you guys out there um, on point, others will follow. Um, And I wish you success because I downloaded it um, about a week ago. And I I told all my friends and and everybody about it because I want people to be aware of what's out there. That's in our favor. That's going to, you know, um, magnify our message and um, get it to others. So I just wanted to thank you for um, venturing into this. And um, like I said, put your, you know, time and money, you know, where where your heart is. Yeah, I was being censored, by the way, by my own family. Like, are you really going to do this? And my reaction was, you know, because I've got younger kids that are, you know, maybe politically more moderate or left. And I was like, yes, because, look, we have to save America. This is crazy. We're... This country is going, and speeches like what what Biden gave last night, and the FBI, uh, you know, uh, being involved politically. I have never seen anything this in my lifetime, and it's gone too far. And uh, we need a voice. And I thought, yep, I'll take my own money, and I, I didn't ask for anybody else's money, and, and built this myself. And um, plan on re- now. I need to raise money because I don't have 10 million lying around, but. Hopefully, we'll all come together, we'll raise this, and we'll have an alternative search. It will be excellent, and it will stand on, the, on the, uh, I'll say, on freedom principles. And that's what we need. We need people to learn what our nation was founded upon. And that's a major problem, because when you turn around and search for the history of our nation, you see more CRT popping up than what the actual truth is. And we've got to... Try to get that message out there. Um, a friend of mine, she said, passed away. Her daughter, when she was graduating high school, was extremely left-leaning. And she started ranting one day, and I just sat her down. And I said, are you aware? And I started citing different things and giving her your different books to read. And she was flabbergasted that she was brainwashed. And I live in a red state. But that's what the, yeah. my local school system was turning out, in a red state. I mean, I was surprised, yeah, I think the truth has to get out. One of the things I'm kind of dreaming of and is taking some of this, some of our profits and turning them into, you know, some sort of history or some sort of classes where the teachers are taught, I think, real history 
so when they go into schools, they're not teaching this crazy stuff that they're being told to teach. And there needs to be a change in our in our in our education. So this, I mean, it's okay to talk about slavery and the evils of it, and it was, certainly was evil. Um, but it was the that was the time back then, and we uh, thank God we've evolved into a country that doesn't believe in that. We believe in equality, uh, not equity, because equity you shouldn't be taking from somebody, but equality is is really the, the the idea that you know anybody can 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 you know move up in life if you work hard and you 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 know you do the right things um so you know i i am for that as well and uh i i just thank you for actually interviewing me and getting helping us get the word out because the only way this can be successful is people sign up it's not perfect yet but we're working on it and i'm working diligently to get search built well, it's a lot of hard work, and uh, you're welcome to come back any time on the show you want. And I have been banned on YouTube. I've got around it, and I <laughs> opened up a different account. They haven't figured that one out yet. But, uh, yeah, I'm proud to say I'm one of those that YouTube finally banned. It won't let me back on. But uh, what we need is is to reverse the course that we're on. Um, and I, I'm seeing that when I was doing the research for this, I'm seeing more and more people getting tired of saying, all right, you have the right to say whatever you want, and I don't. And suddenly what I say yeah. is hate, ha- hateful and criminal, but what you say in, in, in promoting the Marxist idea and violent riots of Black Lives Matter and Antifa, saying, oh, no, no, this is a peaceful protest while you watch whole areas of a city burn down by them. No, no, that's a peaceful yes. protest. But if I turn around and say, well, I feel I have the right to legally carry a firearm, but that's hateful. That's mean. That's that's racist. If I say, yeah. uh, wait a minute, in order for you to ch- cash a check at the bank, you need to provide ID, but you don't need to provide ID to prove that you are an American citizen voting in our in our elections. Why is one okay and the other not? That's racist. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. no, there's a lot of that going on, and it's. It's uh, prevalent, and that's the reason why I'm building what I'm building, and I'm going to stand up for, uh, you know, good good Americans. And I, I'm not, you know, I've I've decided, you know, I'm old enough not to take this from the other side. I had a couple friends where they were badgering me, and I just said, look, we're friends. We'll always be friends, but uh, we can't argue about this, and you're not going to subjugate me to this kind of behavior and in fact you know i'm i'm i know how to build a browser i'll build a search engine that will combat will combat this kind of behavior and so that's what we're up to is i can get all the support i can i hope listeners will come and download us the only way we could be successful is getting support of people and knowing where i stand and how i i want to defend this country i want to defend free speech and that's obviously on the table right now that free speech, as I said, the government, not shocking to me, that the government's had their hand in free speech and telling, uh, you know, accomplices, uh, which would be Twitter and, and Facebook, to ban or shadow ban or to take down. Uh, and I just think this is wrong. So, Well, we also had the Department of Homeland Security 
setting up a, a agency within it to monitor free speech and determine whether or not it was truthful or hateful. Wait, wait, wait. You have the government now monitoring what you can or cannot say. I'm sorry. When did we become communist China? When did we right. become 1984? Right. right. No, yeah, exactly. Uh, government is it's, it's, it's in our, uh, our constitution that the government is to stay out of and leave free speech alone. You know, these, these companies like Twitter, and they have the right to do this. It's unfortunate that under 230, they escape any kind of liability. So that, what does that mean to me as an American? Well, that means we need to build something else that allows for our free speech if they're not going to allow it. There's no reason, listen, there's no reason for me to have built this or to, to build search if they're going to treat people fairly, but that is obviously not the case. No, it's not. And it takes courageous people like you to get the message out to open up and put your money where your mouth is and create this wonderful, wonderful platform. Like I said, when you were out sick last week and you were supposed to be with us, shame on you. How dare you get sick? <laughs> but but I, I was talked about your platform uh, when you were supposed to be on air, so I was already promoting you last week. And the same as last week, people can, uh, when they listen to the show in the archives, click on it where it says Tusk, and it will go directly to your browser, and they can download it onto their devices and have a free speech platform. Because these platforms do, as we find, control how an election turns. It also controls whether or not a criminal is actually prosecuted for crimes that are provable, Hunter Biden. (laughs) You know, these are all things that need to be shown the light of day and you're offering that opportunity with tusk browser yes that's exactly right i want i want all sides of the story uh, but i worry about uh the marxist behavior and people buying off this marxist behavior and thinking that that the way it's been couched that it's okay to uh, censor free speech and it's just not okay well, Jeffrey, thank you very much for the hard work you do. God bless you. And I, as I say, come back on as often as you like, and we'll keep on promoting your your web browser, the new web browser, Tusk Browser, uh, Teeth and Backwards. I'm not talking too well today. Tuskbrowser.com. Thank All you right. so very much, and thanks for hearing from me. All right. All right God bless you. Come back. Right. Thank you so uh, much. Check it guys. out. Have Tusk a great browser. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, just cut him off last second, but have a great weekend, too. Great memori- uh, Memorial Day. Is it Memorial Day? Yeah. Labor it Day. Is Memorial Day weekend. Labor Day. Labor Day weekend. <laughs> Labor Day. I, just tell me what month I'm in and I'll be all right. Oh, God. <laughs> Meanwhile, our next guest must think that he's calling into a show that the host is absolutely off her mind, and I am. So why don't we welcome our next victim, Eric J. Karen. Good afternoon, Eric. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing very well here on Cape Cod, and uh, I'm honored to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Oh, in the land of liberalism, I escaped Boston a number of years ago, (laughs) quite a number of years ago. (laughs) Do you know how hard it is to work downtown Boston Government Center and be a conservative down there as you overlook the Kennedy Center? (laughs) Oh, I had so much fun. (laughs) 
And I bet yeah, yeah, of course, of course, I sure do. And uh, you know, it, it's a it's a beautiful state, but unfortunately, you're right. It's it's led by uh, liberal politicians at the local and state level and the federal level as well for for decades. And and uh, that's why we have probably one of the highest taxes in, in the country here in Massachusetts. <laughs> and so. It's an honor to be on your show, and, you know, I, I look forward to the conversation. And uh, Thank you for having me. Well, you have a new book out uh, called Switched On, The Heart and Minds of a Special Agent. Now, unfortunately, you got booked with not enough time for me to download it and read it, so you're going to have to send me a signed copy, so that way I can have you come back on and spend more time with you. Uh, but you have an sure. interesting background uh, in law enforcement and investigations, uh, and... Yep. You learned something uh, throughout all of this uh, that you have to use your mind and heart and your instincts when you approach any given situation. And some of us do that instinctively, but a lot of us, you feel it instinctively, and yet you still go against what your gut tells you to do. Yeah, (laughs) you're right, and there lies the problem. and, and God gave us those instincts to be able to see, like you know, like like uh, Superman, right? And and to be able to hear like a canine, and and all those God-given instincts that we have, and we need to listen to uh, what is being told to us by God, by the universe, uh, by the environment we're in. And, and pay attention, and I, that's what I mean about being switched on, and I learned that from my Marine Corps father. It's, my book is dedicated, Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent, to all law enforcement officials out there, um, because it's a glimpse behind the badge. It's, it's the good and, and not so good in the trials and tribulations that most law enforcement officers face, and as you know, suicide is the number one killer of police officers in America uh, shockingly, um, and so my Marine Corps father taught me the the core principles and, and about strengthening the mind through education. It's a ticket to life party. Strengthening the body through sleep, eat, and exercise, the C philosophy, and then strengthening strength, strengthening the soul, the soul through faith, um, because you're going to need it when your mom and dad or you're divorced at 50. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Life comes at you fast and furious. So I like to say when 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 fear comes knocking, send faith to answer. And and so the mind, body, and soul needs to be fed, needs to be fed daily uh, for us to live a safe and and balanced life. And and if I didn't live by these core principles, I can honestly tell you. I, I would be dead today. You know, when I was doing my notes for this, and unfortunately, like I said, it was able to read your book, but from what Jackie yeah. sent me, I could piece a lot of it together. And it gave me some flashbacks, because uh, I remember in one instance, we get a call for a pharmacy that had been broken into. We roll up, and the sergeant and the driver go in, and I'm coming in with my partner behind, and it's like the little hackles on your neck go up, it's like, wait a minute, yep. they just walked through that door and didn't look behind the door. And instinct told me, and I grabbed the counter opposite the door, 
put my arms on it and then kick the crap out of the door. And the next thing you know, you, hey, get this bee off of me. Because <laughs> yeah. the perp was behind the door. <laughs> there you go. The hackles on me just said, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. They just went through that door without checking behind it. No, 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 no. Yeah. And I think about some of the things that I did that somehow my instinct kicked in and said, wait a minute, before we go, let's, let's just do something a little different. And I guess many, many a time it saved me from a difficult situation. And yeah. you have to yeah. and follow those instincts. Yeah, yeah you do. And, and um, the foundation that you, you have, uh, and I'm sure many people have it, um, it, it is so critical. The, the foundation of being switched on uh, because people say, well, you know, it's about situational awareness and you have to be aware. That's part of it. But the foundation of quote unquote situational awareness and switched on is having the, the mind, body and soul fed. It's a mindset. It's a body set. It's a way of life and not in a hyper hyper vigilant way like oh my god you, it sounds like you're you're going you, what are you walking down the street with your hand on your gun or you're looking behind you every step of the, no 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 you you are switched on in, in the fact that when you do walk down the street all your senses including your mind which is i i say the biggest <laughs> biggest muscle in our body and i know it's an organ but the you know the, as you you know get a strength in the mind the body the body will follow so you have to be able to walk down the street in such a way with confidence that you are able to identify problems potential problems because you don't know if someone's a friend or a foe really truly so you have to be able to identify a potential issue or problem in life be it maybe your girlfriend maybe it's a bad guy on the street. You have to be able to identify, avoid, and then escape. And if you had to fight, know a little bit about a, a simple escape. Uh, you know, what I like to say, a you know, hit to the hit to the uh, the computer, which is to the face or area. But you want to avoid fighting because I don't care if you're a black belt or no belt. Once it gets to a fight, you don't know who's truly going to win and who pulls a gun or who pulls a knife. So the key in life, the key in life for all of us is to simply identify a problem, avoid the problem, and escape it um, as best we can. And that's what I mean about being switched on in life. It's not just, and it's not just physical be, physically being switched on. It's, it's emotionally being switched on. So we can lead our best life. You know, um, you had mentioned the, the spiritual aspect of it, and unfortunately that's something that our nation is at its lowest point ever in our history, where people are leaving yeah. faith. And uh, right now there is a huge rift where a lot of religions are having a battle for those that are on the conservative side of their beliefs and those that are now changing areas of either the Talmud or the gospel, uh, whatever, uh, into yeah. a more liberal and woke agenda. And my, my own church has been in that battle. And we've lost some of our property to the liberal end, but we've kept our conservative side. But when people lose faith, 
believing that there is a higher power, believing that there is something better out there for us to strive for, then what do yeah. we what are we living for? Our immediate yes. self gratification and when you get that self gratification right here and now, what's next? What is there yeah. for you? Is You're there abs- some yeah, exactly. of something better above? Right. Absolutely, absolutely. Um you know, faith I mean it's I like I, I to keep it simple. I'm a simple man. Say faith for me, it's it's going it's just it's a mantra that life's going to be okay. Because we know suicide is is skyrocketing throughout America these days, these last few years. We know that mm-hmm. overdoses we're talking since nineteen ninety nine, over a million people have overdosed in America. A million people. Um, and so, you know, what faith does t- for me um, is, is to give me a sense of foundation that life, at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. The sun's going to come up in the morning, um, and, and I'm going to make it. Because without faith, you're in despair. So I don't care if you believe in Allah, Jesus Christ, whatever it may be, the you know, whatever your religion beliefs may be, you better believe in something. You better believe in a higher being um, because you need that. That's, a, that's one of the key elements of being switched on is having faith that God, Jesus, Allah is by your side every day and is lifting you up when you fall. And and without that, um, life is difficult. Life life can be very difficult. And so I know through through my life that not only was God walking beside me through the very very difficult times of my life, I know that my loved ones who have passed, my dad, my my twin brother, my mom, they've been walking beside me as well. You know, there's a lot to be said for that because a lot of people don't sense or feel the daily presence. And it, that's very rare. There's, there's days I go through the entire day without even thinking. And then there are other days I stop and I, I sense because I may start to do something and for some reason I'm turned in a different direction. And I have to stop and think, why? Why did I just do that? And then yeah. you, you stop and think. It's like, Half the time this happens, there's always a reason. There's always a reason that it happened. Not because something that I knew had to happen, but something made me go in that direction. And yep. there are times where Absolutely. You, you also think and pray for something and you don't get it. Well, maybe that was your prayer being answered because you weren't supposed to get it. You weren't meant to Absolutely. go down that path and you're being directed to a different one. And uh, let me. You're absolutely right. Is, well, I, I give a perfect point in case. You probably say this is rather cruel and evil, but um, my first husband proposed to me four times. I said no three times. And then I was stupid enough to say yes the fourth time. Well, he's now an ex-husband. So the good Lord was saying, no, I'm telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. All right, yep. you're going to do it. Oh, well, now you're going to realize why you weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> so, yes, ma'am. You're absolutely correct. A little correct. humor. You know, <laughs> you're, no, you're absolutely correct. You know, and 
this this may sound a little strange too. You know, my hero, my my hero who 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 taught me my core principles was was my dad, right? And Marine Corps father, police officer. He suddenly died at 50, when I was 15 years old. He left my mom, who's handicapped, um, with seven children. And as maybe strange as this sounds, his death, in in some respects, was a blessing because it it jilted me onto a path of of knowing that I was going to be a special agent for the U.S. government at 15, 16 years old. So, well, Eric, it, well, Eric, if you want to hold yeah. on just there, because we have another guest coming in on the line. She's a friend of mine, uh, Jessica Vaughn. She is with the Center for Immigration Studies. She's the Director of Policy Studies. So your experience in immigration and hers are going to dovetail together. Good afternoon, Jessica. How sure. are you today? Doing well, thanks. Good to be with you. Oh, it is always a pleasure, and I probably hope to see you real soon when we get around to one of our next meetings. Jessica happens to be living near me. Um, we were yeah. we were talking about, uh, I have been talking about so many different subjects, I have to get my mind wrapped around this, um, about having courage and faith in, and the direction in which we're going. And this is something that we're finding this administration's not quite doing, having the courage and faith and the moral fortitude to help protect our borders and to protect our citizens from illegal aliens. And it's actually an invasion. Uh, it, it is very disturbing, uh, the policies that the Biden administration has adopted. I mean, they have, uh, I guess, um, the courage to do things that are unconstitutional, improper, harming Americans, um, an abrogation of their duty, and they have faith in their own um, belief that you know our country can be sustained on open borders. But this is all very, um, very difficult for the rest of the country that has to absorb the results of these disastrous policies. It's, you know they're harming, they're harming the communities that have to absorb all of these illegal migrants, especially the border communities that are ravaged by crime and violence as a result of these open border policies. They're harming the migrants. They're harming their home countries. And they're harming, they're harming Americans who are in direct competition with them for uh, social services, housing, public assistance, schooling, not to mention job opportunities. So it's really a disastrous policy that benefits only um, the, the you know real elite groups who are you know want to have you know cheaper restaurants, cheaper services, uh, and and things that and, and are totally isolated and insulated from the effects of these policies. So it's it is really a disaster. Well, Jessica, we have with us Eric Karen. He's an author of a new book called Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent. And, Eric, this is some of the stuff that you've been working with in, as an agent, right? Yeah. Um, I'm a former uh, Treasury U.S. Customs Special Agent and then became a U.S. Uh, Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent and worked with Interpol as well. Um, I'm currently teaching and consulting uh, in, in uh, East Africa, and, uh, you know, what was just mentioned is spot on. Um, 
And it, let me just say, I mean, in fiscal year 2021, the numbers that I saw that the Biden administration released over 10,000 criminals onto the streets of America. I mean, we're talking, and then we're talking in fiscal year 2021, um, the, the, the ICE arrests had dropped 28%. Removals, that means deportations, dropped uh, 70%. Um, and it goes on and on and on. You know, this is all about turning America, and unfortunately, we're there, into a socialist nation. I mean, we're there under this administration. It's going to take some work to turn it around now. And I hope starting in November, when we take back the House and Senate, we'll start turning this, this, this ship around. But right now, we are a socialist nation, in my opinion. You know, just it, the it last time you were... to clean up, no doubt. Yeah. But I, I think it was a number of years ago when I had you on last, Jessica, which I apologize. That's my bad. Um, I, we were talking at one point that the number of people incarcerated in our prisons that are illegal aliens was jumping astronomically. Uh, and yet now we've got this revolving door justice where... That, forget about it. I mean, if we can't hold the criminals responsible for their actions behind bars, we are now a lawless nation. And and a lot of that is being aided by these illegal aliens invading us. And then criminal activity, not being arrested, just, all right, go on. Well, let's put them on a bus, send them up to, oh, let's say Baltimore, Chicago, New York, the sanctuary cities. They can handle this, can't they? <laughs> Well, they, they, this is an exercise in hypocrisy for these sanctuary cities because, you know, for so many years now, they have adopted this virtue signaling of the sanctuary city um, and declaring themselves refuges and safe havens for all, you know, all migrants from around the world in, without limits and, you know, showering them with, uh, public assistance and social services and health care and so on. And now all of a sudden when uh, the governor of Texas wants to share the, um, the, the job of dealing with the thousands of illegal migrants who are coming into Texas every week and released into Texas by the Biden administration catch and release policies, they decided that they they wanted to uh, take New York and Washington and now Chicago at their word. And so they've been busing. They've now bused um, between Texas and Arizona, they've bused um, more than 11,000 illegal migrants who were released by Biden um, to Washington and New York and now Chicago. And these mayors are having a fit. All of a sudden, they don't think it's so great <laughs> to be accepting illegal aliens, and, and they're a little bit hysterical about it. Um, the D.C. mayor asked um, uh, Biden to call in the National Guard. You know, well, where we really need the National Guard is at the border. The border. Help, help people from going in. <laughs> but, and lately, you know, the most recent um, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, it was yesterday called Governor yep. Abbott a racist. Racist. For sending yes. these, these, because <laughs> what other explanation can there be that you know the Texas governor is sending people to um, to Chicago? You know the very people that she welcomes with her sanctuary policies. So it's really it's, it's, it's comical, it's, but it's tragic it, as well. 
it is. It is so tragic. But Eric, I was that, say, that but here we are. Their policy, but isn't their policy a Marxist policy where they spread the wealth? So Abbott, as well as DeSantis, is just spreading the wealth. What's the problem there, Eric? Right, I know, right. I know. If you want to call but, it wealth, it's more like spreading the problems, the cost. Big time. And, you know, here we are. We're, we're fast approaching another, uh, in, you know, tragic anniversary of September 11, 2001. And all we heard was what? Never forget. Never forget. Well, we've forgotten because, you know, I haven't, though. You know, 2,977 people died that day. I was in Washington serving with the government uh, that day. Um, and we, we forgot that the number, I think we, we as a nation have forgotten that the number one priority of the executive branch, the, the White House, the president, the chief uh, you know, <laughs> of this country, is to keep our butts safe. And right now, he's, he's, he's harming America. I mean, that, the fact of the matter is there's 328 official ports of entry coming into America. They all need to be secured, as we learned the hard way on, non, on 9-11. Um, 328 ports of entry, well, guess what? We're not looking, as we know, we're paying attention to the southern border. Very few people are paying attention to the northern border or the containers, the, ship, the containers of, that come in via ships into America. Um, I'm very, very concerned uh, that, you know, as we approach 9-11, I know it's not a secret that America, as I speak, I did national security for a bunch of years, planning to hurt us and attack us, as well as international criminals who are here attacking us daily. And um, it's sad that the American people have forgotten 9-11. And the, the job of the president number one job is to keep us safe and he failed us that day and, and this this administration is failing us again it is and Jessica it's not just the number of ports that Eric has mentioned but every single state is a border state as long as it has an airport so we're forgetting about those that come in on planes yep. violate their visas and just disappear into the fabric so we already know that we've had a lot of these people coming from radical Islamic states are now in our country, violated their visas, they disappeared. We know that they're coming over the borders with the illegal aliens being smuggled in by the coyotes. And we've got an administration that instead has a president that gave the speech he gave last night to completely divide our nation and actually literally nonstop insult those of us that stand right of center. Yes, it, it, this is, I mean, there really is something that should be keeping up our Homeland Security officials at night. Um, and, and here's an example. Um, well, not only, as, as you mentioned, we have a huge problem with visa overstays. Something like 40% of the illegal population is made up of overstays. And we have people from 150 different countries um, so far that have been encountered at the southern border trying to cross illegally. And the, the Border Patrol has already caught this year 55 people who are known uh, um, as a terrorist um, yep. that they've caught. 
And then there's a, a really chilling story that came out the other day in the Washington Times um, regarding the population of Afghan evacuees that we let into this country, supposedly with great vetting. But it turns out that the vetting was not so great. They didn't even check the Department of Defense fingerprint database um, of um, prints and other biometrics that were found, like on IEDs or in ISIS caves, places like that. Um, people who were known to be involved in targeting Americans for attacks, well, 66 of the people so far um, that we let in in that disastrous evacuation of Afghanistan have had fingerprint matches um, with prints that showed up in places like this associated with ISIS. So 66 people we let in. And the FBI mm -hmm. Director Ray admitted the other day that the FBI really doesn't know where these people are. So they're, you know, I mean, you know, obviously we should have been able to, uh, people did predict that this would happen. And speaking of 9-11, there's a huge number of them, an unusual number of these Afghans that when they were interviewed by the U.S. government and um, asked, to, you know, we were creating an identity for them essentially because we really had no idea who they were. Uh, said their birthday was 9-11. Why would so many Afghans benefiting, you know, being evacuated out of their country, interviewed by the U.S. government, say, oh, yeah, my birthday is September 11th. That's really chilling to me. Yep. I think that, as one staffer who was interviewed put it, there's so many people would think that's a cute thing to say. Um, that's the regard they have for the United States that um, brought them here. So um, we haven't heard the last of this, I'm convinced. Yeah, she's absolutely no. right. Um, you know, I, I served in Dubai as the attache for Homeland Security. I, I traveled to Afghanistan uh, trying to uh, fight the, the war, I guess, on, on terror at the time and, and money laundering and drug smuggling. Um, you know, now we have an entire country controlled by a terror group, and 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 you have Iranians, the Pakistanis, the Chinese, all all you know, aligning with themselves with the Afghan um, government, if you will, terror government. Um, you know, that's the type of work the U.S. government should be working on, not focusing in on a former president and whether or not he had documents that might have been classified or declassified. I mean, we're spending another probably $25, $30 million, another 30 uh, FBI special agents working that case. you got to be kidding me. When we have all these threats, both domestically as well as internationally, I mean, I just came back from East Africa a few weeks ago. The Boko Haram... And, and throughout Africa, mostly in the east, uh, are on the, on, on the march. They are taking up land in Sudan, in South Sudan especially, and they want to take over all of Africa. And this administration is focusing in on a, a former president. I, you know, I am very concerned um, that we are definitely not switched on as a nation, that we have bad guys both, again, both international bad guys, transnational criminals, and terrorists walking around this country freely. 
And that's where our our federal agencies need to be focusing on them, not the former president. Right, and not people who wear MAGA hats. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and this is, we're we're being attacked. I mean, let's let's say, again, this is bigger than Donald Trump. Our First Amendment is at stake. Our Fourth Amendment is at stake. I mean, this is about curtailing freedom of speech. This is about curtailing our right to assembly. I mean, we, we weren't able to go to church under the Joe Biden administration, you know. Um, and, we, you know, the former president's home was searched and, and items seized over, God only knows what's in the affidavit. I don't, I, no one's seen it. Um, and so this is about our freedoms in America, our core, core principles that are under attack by this administration. We as a nation better wake up. Yeah, we better. We absolutely do. And I'm looking to find my co-host. Curtis, are you with us? I think my co-host, well, right now there is a storm going on in Florida, and maybe he got knocked out. I'm <laughs> hoping that he wakes up soon. Anyway, um, watching that speech and last night, I mean, I, I actually had to stop, walk out of the room, sit down, calm down, pour myself a nice, healthy scotch, and then try to watch it back from the start. I mean, this administration has done everything possible to destroy us, be it from the lockdowns, uh, vaccinations now that have not even been tested on humans that they're starting to promote for the next booster, uh, the influx and invasion of illegal aliens in every single state, uh, the job loss, this Inflation Reduction Act that does nothing to reduce inflation, the interference in elections uh, by silencing us on social media. I have never, ever, ever seen such a spiteful, hateful administration whose sole purpose is to destroy anyone that believes in Trump and believes in our founding principles. And it's, I don't know where we, how we're going to get ourselves out of this unless we have a red wave coming starting this November. And we will. Yeah, we're going to have to make sure that um, people... Yep. See this as the important. See, realize the importance of this election. Don't take anything for granted, and uh, get out there and vote. And and also let those um, public officials who are not on the ballot this fall let them know too what we as citizens expect from them as our uh, representatives. And you know, not to um, to just sort of go along to get along or um, believe that there's nothing they can do, because there are a lot of things that can be, do, can be done. Um, you know, my focus is on immigration policy. There are things that can be done at the federal, state, and local level to push back on the Biden policies. Um, but, uh, you know, now is the time. They need, they need to get, yeah. their, get moving. Yeah, and, you know, oh, Joe Biden supposed to be the unifier, unifier but he's, he's dividing our and it's, it's, it is shameful what he's, he's saying, what he's doing, his actions, his words. He's, he's, he's making us obviously less safe um, versus more safe, uh, both domestically as well as internationally. And um, that's why this November is so, is so critical. And I, I do have faith in, in the American people. Um, 
I, I think the American people, uh, Liz Cheney, uh, got a, a clear message. Um, you know, last I think it was last month, um, and so I think it's going to trickle. I think it's going to trickle down um, to this November, um, and we just we just got to keep our eye focused. Um, and the Democratic DNC and the White House will every day up until November. Now you're going to see it will will continue to hit the the drum as loudly as they can and collude with the media. New York Times, Washington Post. I saw the collusion firsthand in my criminal experience uh, cases, and I that I write in my book. And so the collusion between the media is clear between the administration and um, and 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 so they're working hand in glove to to demonize uh, and to uh, insert fear into the American people. Well, Eric. People can find you, uh, your book, over on Amazon. There's a link on the show page so they can switch, uh, click on it and get your book, Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent. And Jessica Vaughn, people can find you over at CIS.org, the Center for Immigration Studies. And hope to see you soon, Jessica. And God bless both of you for the hard work you both do. All right. Enjoy a long holiday weekend. Thank you, guys. Be safe. Jessica Vaughn. Jessica the, the teeth and back with Jessica Vaughn and Eric J. Uh, Karen. We have back on the show, and I have to apologize. My teeth got put in backwards. Uh, former Trump advisor and author of a brand-new book coming out later on this month, Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We Win It Back. He's not in shackles today, and we hope to keep him out of it. Yeah. Peter Navarro. Good afternoon, Peter. How are yeah. you? Oh, he's dragging me up. Yeah, the leg irons... Uh... That's a, that's a new fashion trend down here uh, on the Democratic uh, regime rule, um, and and they only allow Trump people to wear it, uh, preferably publicly, um, as they whip themselves uh, walking along the public display, which is essentially what the FBI did to me. But it's great to be with you again. I'm, I'm so pleased to announce this new book, Taking Back Trump's America. It couldn't come at a better time because its mission is twofold. It's, 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 of course, to get Trump back in the White House um, in the 2024 presidential election. But before that, people need to understand that we need to win in November, because if we don't win and Pelosi hangs on to the House, um, they're going to make life miserable for Trump and the 75 million people who voted for him along with they're going to make life miserable for the economy, inflation, the middle class. And um, the book is dedicated to Blueprint and Battle Cry to MAGA. Let's win, baby, as Al Davis used to say. <laughs> well, you know, there's so much to talk to, with you about because so much has been going on with this administration. It's like it's not – just one thing hitting you once a week, like the old news cycle used to be. It would always hit you late Thursday night, Friday night, and then the weekend you'd see come up on Sunday news programs. That's out the door. With today's new social network, it is 24-7, and it's not just once a week. It's every day, multiple times a day. And the latest bit, and I'm sure that you probably threw your drink at the TV listening to Biden's speech last night. Talk about hateful and, and an attack on Trump and anything MAGA, anything conservative. Oh, heaven forbid you're a Christian and a gun toter, too. I mean, you're just, you're an insurrectionist. You're, you're the devil. 
Yeah. I don't know how you um, politically, with any good sense, uh, isolate half the country. Um, and, and by the way, with Biden's approval rating at about 38%, um, I guess two-thirds of the country do not care for him. So I, I, I think it was a Hail Mary on the part of uh, the Democrats to, to prevent what we hope will be a landslide in November. But you know, I get back, you know, like, I get back, we can take nothing for granted here. They've revealed themselves. They've called us fascists. Let me say that once again. They have called us fascists. And one of the things I do in the Taking Back Trump's America book, which I think will be very useful to your listeners, is to, to clearly explain in simple terms what make America great, deplorable, national economic, uh, populist economic nationalism is. You know, who are the Trump Republicans? What do we stand for? And they, 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 under the big tent of the Republican Party, there's, Certainly the traditional Republicans, the rhinos, who believe, as Trump Republicans do, in a low tax burden for the middle class, a low regulatory burden for small businesses, and certainly strategic energy dominance, so we don't have to pay through the nose for gas and rely on Russia for our oil. But where we part company with the Mitch McConnell rhinos, the Wall Street rhinos, the Silicon Valley rhinos, is what I call in the Taking Back Trump's America book, the Iron Triangle, MAGA. It's certainly an end to endless wars. It's certainly securing our southern border. And the third part of that triangle is, is the idea that we need to have our manufacturing and supply chains uh, right here on U.S. soil, and that begins uh, by leveling the, the playing field in terms of trade with the rest of the world. That's what we stand for. All we want are rising real wages in a non-inflationary environment, prosperity, and peace in the world. And Trump gave us that. Please remember that. Trump, that was, that was three years of Trump before the communist Chinese hit us with the virus. And then he did the, Trump did the best he could uh, to, to prevent that attack from engulfing us. And he did a damn good job at it. But, but I think when... When you hear a Biden speech or you're around the water cooler or the kitchen table and these Democrats and liberals start calling you fascists, you can say, hey, all we want is an end to endless wars. All we want is to secure our borders. All we want is our manufacturing and supply chains here so we'll be safe and prosperous. It's as simple as that. Oh, but that's not how they look at it. No, they nope. have to vilify us nope. in order to divide us. So, you know, yep. you don't want to be called a fascist, so then don't follow Donald Trump. Don't vote for someone that follows his principles of limited government, of energy freedom, of a good jobs out there, of secure borders, and as you say, less wars. Uh, nope, nope. You can't say that you're for that. you got to say, oh, no, we want equity. We want that rainbow uh, we want to see our children sexualized. No, no, that's otherwise what you're going to do is you're going to cancel culture us. You'll attack us. You'll camp outside our doors. You'll call us all sorts of names. And we don't want to put up that type of a fight. So we're going to back off and let you do whatever it is you want to do. And that's what's got us here today, isn't it? 
it's exactly right. And I got who are these people? That's that's what I want to know. I mean, I, I was I was arrested um, on a charge that no White House official has ever been charged with. It's a misdemeanor, and they should have just called me up on the phone and said, "Hey, come come report for this, and we'll book you and let, let you go free until the trial." They didn't do that. They they went full metal jacket on me, a leg iron solitary confinement, strip search, isolating for three hours while they leaked the whole story to the press. Um, kind of the whole bread and circus. And like the only difference between what they did to me and what they did to Donald Trump, really, is in my case, they had five army agents with handguns. In Trump's case, I had a battalion down there with automatic weapons. And other than that, it's the same kind of kind of bullying, intimidation to try to cancel us. I mean, the FBI is, is at the tip of the spear of the Democrats' cancel culture now. They, they've weaponized this government, the, you know, the House of Representatives under Pelosi, the Justice Department, the FBI, even, like, <laughs> who would ever thought that the National Archives would be used as a political weapon Against both Trump and I. I don't know if you know this, but I've got a civil suit been filed against me by the National Archives as part of this whole uh, attack on, on Trump world. It's just, I mean, it, I, I would say it boggles the imagination, but after four years in the Trump White House, after living through the FBI and Democrats' Russia hoax, nothing surprises me anymore. But these people, they, we, we got to get them out of there. So if you're sitting there listening to this show, let me make a suggestion here. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the principle of the Taking Back Trump's America book. Action, action, action. In November, get involved now in the school board race, the city council race, the congressional race, the governor's race, something that's going to move the needle and take, so that we can take power back from the Democrats and then, in turn, use that power the way it's supposed to be, in the public interest to build peace and prosperity. That's not what the Democrats are doing. And particularly with Biden's speech last night, all he's doing now is deepening, not sowing, he's deepening the deep divisions that exist now between uh, the, basically, probably at this point, 60% of the country who embrace Trump's America values, even in maybe independents and some Democrats, versus the Bidenites, who just, I mean, they've lost their way. It's just, I don't even know who these people are. They boggle my mind. Oh, it, it, it is absolutely amazing. And uh, as you said, all politics start at the local level. And this is an off-year election, so people are a low turnout, but that's when they will try to push through issues on the ballot that very few people are going to be aware of or vote or know to vote. That's why people have to be involved in their local politics. For example, right here in my local county, they're pushing for an additional sales tax. For what? To buy up land and buildings, taking them off the tax rolls to preserve the density of the population in the county because it's got overgrowth. But wait, they also want to use a previous sales tax for projects that, that we've already voted on and say, yeah, we want these projects, 
to widen a road that will bring more traffic and more development in. So on one hand, you're going to buy up land to take it off the tax rolls, but you're not going to control that very growth, on the other hand, by opening up this roadway wide and causing major congestion. Yeah, unless you follow the politics local. And these people, once they run locally, then they go up to the next level and the next level. And the next thing you know, they're sitting in Congress or the Senate. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, the, the old saw, all politics is local. Yes. Uh, but you're right. It, it ripples right up through the chain. I mean, you take something like Secretary of State. And before the 2020 election, Everybody thought that was like a laid-back, nothing kind of down-ballot kind of job. Turns out that those folks are the election officials in each state, and George Soros figured that out, put his stooges in in Michigan and Pennsylvania and Arizona, and they wound up stealing the election. So you got to not only get involved, you got to stay involved. It's part of, your, part of your job description as a citizen, a parent, um, an employee, an entrepreneur, whatever it is you do, whether you live alone or with with a family of ten, uh, you gotta you gotta get involved. And I'm, I'm telling you, the Taking Back Trump's America book, you find it really interesting in explaining the forces that are also arrayed against us, whether it's Wall Street or Silicon Valley or these, these Democrats who live off the corporate dole. Uh, or pie-in-the-sky Green New Dealers who have driven up the price of gasoline and natural gas. I mean, winter's coming. That's the Game of Thrones admonition. Winter's coming, and we're going to get a wake-up call in winter as well. So let's take back Trump's America. Let's do it. But you got to – it starts in November. That's signal, not noise. That's signal. So help somebody out. Look, Arizona, Terry Lake for governor. Home up or go to the website. Tudor Dixon, she's like amazing in Michigan. Like, let's get her elected. Doug Mastriano, President Trump will be in Pennsylvania uh, tomorrow. Uh, I'll be on Newsmax talking about it. Uh, that's the kind of, kind of Doug Mastriano, that's the kind of governor we need. So, you know, let's, let's get it done. Well, Peter. not only just... Well, I was just going to make a point, uh, Curtis, just a second. Uh, but it's not just your council elections. You've got to also be involved in the school boards because the school boards, yeah, even oh, if you and don't and have children, that's, I think that's more important in many ways. Even if you don't have yes. children, you are paying those taxes into the school districts. Those kids, what they're being taught and how they're being turned out will affect how your community grows or dies, what policies yes. go into place, whether they're conservative or liberal. Those kids are our future and how we will look as a nation later on. So school boards are extremely, extremely important. Go ahead, Curtis. Yeah, I was going to say I have some dubious Republican friends who I think they they don't follow politics a lot because they're working, and, and I understand that. But they also listen to a lot of liberal news networks, and I, I get feedback from them like um, I really don't think Trump should, should run again and I say why because of what he says sometimes I just wish he was just shut up and stuff and I said well listen this guy's been under a pressure he's been attacked almost every day he's been in office I said what you should look at 
is what he's accomplishing, what he, what he is doing for the country. Um, you know, don't listen to what you hear on TV, you know, because they will make it about yeah. personality, yeah. not about yeah. accomplishments. And um, yeah. what would you say to people that, that have that, that same mindset? Well, he, I wish he wouldn't talk so much or say this or say that. Curtis, uh, I, I, you got it exactly right, and I actually addressed that in the very first chapter of Taking Back Trump's America, because that is the essence here. I mean, there's some people who simply didn't vote for him because they didn't like his tweets. And now we've got stagflation on a scale we haven't seen since the 1970s. We've got uh, our national security threats all the way from, from terrorists exported from Afghanistan to the communist Chinese getting ready to attack Taiwan to Russia putting a stranglehold on the energy markets in Europe, which will trickle down to us. And if you look, as you suggested, Curtis, at what President Trump did, I mean, he put together the best economy in modern history, arguably the best president on the economy in modern history. And I think he makes a pretty damn good run at being the best foreign policy president because, look, I was there the whole time. We did not have problems with China. We did not have problems with Russia. We did not have problems with North Korea. We did not have problems with Iran. And it was all because they feared Donald Trump. They don't fear Joe Biden. They want to exploit Joe Biden. And by the way, Joe Biden is a criminal because if you look at the Hunter Biden laptop from hell, you can see that Biden, the Biden crime family, was profiting from getting in bed from everyone from the Ukrainians to the communist Chinese. So just, Curtis, it's like, tell them, look, look just look at the record. And then look at what you got because you didn't like his tweets, and and there you go. And that's what I tell him: look at the record, well, not at what the others are saying about him speaking. Well, now I, I know that, you, like I said, you probably threw your drink at your your TV screen last night watching Joe Biden with that ass, and I've never seen ever ever such a vile, hateful speech as I've seen from coming out of Joe Biden's mouth. And the backdrop, the phony backdrop, was just drove me through the wall. But I want to get your blood pressure up just a little bit more than that. Fauci. Supposedly he's Uh-oh. going to leave yeah. as for the NIH, but he's not going to officially retire because he wants to go into the next step of his career. So he hasn't destroyed yeah. our nation enough. He wants to find another area within the swamp to do a little more damage. Your buddy Fauci. Look, the back the back story there is pretty simple. Uh, he he had grand visions of sticking around till the end of Biden's term, but he sees the likelihood that the Republicans are going to take Congress, and as soon as the Republicans take Congress, Tony Fauci's life as a government official would have consisted primarily of going up to Capitol Hill every day and testifying till he confessed to all the sins he's guilty of, first and foremost of which is helping to create the COVID virus at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which he funded with U.S. tax dollars and which he gave the technology, the gain-of-function technology, to the communist Chinese so that they could genetically engineer a bioweapon. That's what his future is like. And I had to laugh. You know, he, 
he said he wants to travel. You know, it's like my view is they ought to do what the FBI did to Trump unfairly, which is take his passports. I think we ought to take Fauci's passport so he can't go to some country where he can't be extradited because he, he's got blood on his hands. He, that man has blood on his hands. He not only locked us down uh, and denied us uh, therapeutics like hydroxychloroquine, he is responsible for helping create that virus. And, and at some point, that truth is going to come out, and he's going to pay for it. Oh, yes, in big time. But uh, let's see. What's the nearest country that doesn't have extradition with the United States? Hmm. <laughs> I think Fauci already has his villa picked out. And he gets paid enough money where he could buy a couple of them in a couple of different locations, right? And he's the highest I, I paid. I think he might move to the nation of Pfizer. Don't they have a country right now? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I get my drift. I there. think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's gonna like, be a lot of yeah. there's gonna be a lot of exodus of major pharmaceuticals they, they and do other. Act like a sovereign state, by the way, Pfizer. Um, don't get me even started on them because Albert Borla, the CEO of that thing, is like he's, he's he's got as much blood on his hands as Fauci does with all the data he hit. But that'll be for another time. But I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping your listeners will get excited about taking back Trump's America. It's on Amazon. People can go to my website at peternavar.com, get more information about it, um, check out my social media, and learn more about uh, my uh, legal defense, which is um, par- running in parallel to President Trump's right now. And, you know, we got a fight on our hands, but I just urge your listeners to action, 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 get involved, um, school boards, Congress, everything in between. Oh, absolutely. There is a link on the show page here, so when people catch the archives, they can click on it and go directly and get your book right away. Uh, pre-order it for its September 20th release. Um, and then as soon as it gets released, you're going to have to come definitely come back on, and uh, I'm, I'm going to have to get a copy to read. This time, give me a signed yeah. one. <laughs> That's great. We'll do that. You just talk to my, my, my booker, AJ, and we'll take good, take good care of you. Oh, AJ's taking good care of me for we'll a long number a, of years. We'll, yeah. a, uh, we'll give you some free copies for the show, and uh, you can hold a uh, contest or something. Oh, that'd be, that'd be absolutely awesome, absolutely awesome, from one paisan to another. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> now, you were mentioning the legal troubles. Um he was supposed to be getting a special master's. He actually petitioned for that. So this current judge, she's like, she said, well, I don't think I have the authority to do that. What is going on with this woman? She's going to release more documents, make it more transparent, but why wouldn't she give him a special master's to review to find out whether or not the documents should be released to begin with? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone because I, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on in that case. All I know is what they did to the boss was totally unwarranted. And uh, I know also that all they're trying to do is stop him from running uh, for office. Um, it's, just, it's just nuts. It's just nuts. It's unfortunate. We have real problems in this world. How do you uh, leave that man alone so we can have a functioning political system? But they don't seem to want to do that. No, instead what they're trying to do is the same thing they did to Paul Manafort, try him in the public court, make him guilty, and then have someone like Weissman take those 
public opinions and use them as facts in court and convict him of something that he's done nothing wrong. That's how I'm seeing it, because already MSNBC is, uh, Neil Cattell is saying that they have him dead to rights on that few documents that the DOJ released. On just the, that one picture showing top secret, they think, no, no, he's, he's automatically guilty. The same thing they did to Paul yeah, Manafort, so I, same thing they're trying to do to you. That's a whole nother show we can do. Would you forgive me? I'm, I'm, I'm bumping up against the deadline here with, with, a, with another show. I didn't realize we were going this long, but I'm, I'm going to come back after the book comes out, and we'll do this again because I love talking to you. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Peter, your book is Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back, being released this September 20th on Amazon. God bless you, and enjoy your weekend. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. All right. Peter Navarro. All right. Check it, check it out. And I accidentally just muted Curtis. <laughs> Sorry about that, <laughs> Curtis. I went to hit, oh, hit his button. I hit okay. yours instead. All right. Well, Mark Tapscott should be calling in in a few minutes. So um, we've had a very, very interesting show today, haven't we, so far? Oh, yeah. And um, it's been very informative. I like the fact that um, Tusk is now available to people. Like I said, I, I found out about it two weeks ago. And I send out a blast on it, you know, for everybody on my my links to check it out. Looks like our next guest is here. Right on time, my sweetheart, Mark I'll put Tapscott. Him in. Uh, uh, if I can go. Here we go. I want to welcome Mark Tapscott again to our show on his bi-monthly visit. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you doing? I'm fine. What the heck, How are you guys? Hey. <laughs> uh, why is this telling me I've got 60 seconds? Holy cow. This does not make sense. Blog Talk Radio is messing up on me. I'm showing an hour left, and they just said 60 seconds. Wow. Crazy. Anyway, did you catch the Biden address? I know you caught it last night, and I wanted to get your feed on it because I've been ranting and raving on this one. Well, actually, I didn't watch it last night. I watched it today in preparation for your show because I had a suspicion you might want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll be absolutely honest with you. I've been watching presidents give speeches since I was 14 years old, which is 1964. And that speech last night um, was the most corrupt dishonest, hypocritical speech I've ever heard an American president give. It was, I mean, just just the fact that he presented it with that incredible blood-red background, um, I, it, it, to me, it, it's, it's the worst presidential speech I've ever heard. I mean, he delivered it well for him, but uh, the content of what he said was just... It was just, it was, it was bad. It was very bad. Let me, uh, let the only thing you think about. Let, okay. let me give you an example. He, he said at several points, but especially early on, um, we are still at our core a democracy. Well, no, actually, Mr. President, we're not a democracy. We are a representative republic. And the reason we're a representative republic and not a democracy is because if you read the Federalist Papers, 
the founders recognized that democracies, going all the way back to the ancient Greeks, um, had a long record of degenerating very quickly um, majority rule into either anarchy, where you have total dissolution of the government, or tyranny, where one strong man takes over. Um, so they, they, they gave us a, a, a representative republic. Madison in Federalist 51 calls it a compound republic because the uh, authority of government is, is so divided and balanced among, you know, the several branches. So, yeah. And at the end, he, he says um, um, that history and common sense tell us that liberty and opportunity are most likely to come to pass in a democracy. Well, again, no, that's not true. That is not the history of democracies. Um, the American representative republic has guaranteed that, not democracy. So, you know, it was just, and that's, and that's just a small taste. Yeah, because democracy, we know historically, will devolve into fascism yeah, exactly. and socialism. And well, socialism the end result would be total... Or- Total tyranny, mm-hmm. and that has nothing to do with how our nation was founded. As you said, a representative republic, and it only means that we democratically elect our representatives, but we still remain a republic based upon the rule of law, not majority rule, not that fifty plus one saying that everyone has to wear pink today and that is the new law. No, 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 no. We've had a set rule, set of rules that we lie as our base or foundation of this nation. You take that away, we crumble. And that's our Constitution. Yeah. That, yeah. you know, I know, our listeners know. Yeah. I tell you, Anne, what I, I, saw... I went... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, go ahead to you. I, 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 after watching the, the Biden speech uh, on YouTube, I went back into Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Um, and I was reminded of uh, Rule 13, which Saul Alinsky says, Rule 13, you uh, pick the target, you freeze it, you personalize it, and then you polarize it. And if you look at the text of, of Biden's speech, that's, <laughs> that is an outline of the Biden speech. He is trying to identify, he's picking the target, Trump. And, and Republicans who support Trump, MAGA Republicans, he wants to freeze them as if it's always January 6th and they're always uh, in an insurrection trying to bring down the government. He wants to personalize it. Every GOP candidate is being accused by their Democratic opponent now of being a MAGA Republican. And he wants to polarize it. You know, he said, uh, MAGA Republicans are determined to destroy American democracy. I mean, that's, that is all ludicrous. Yeah. yeah, I always say that um, Democrats, and I, I believe this is why that you, you hear the word democracy so much from them, is because they don't want to say anything close to the word Republican. And this is a republic. So that's why yeah. they're always saying 
democracy, and I think it's not even in there. Republic is not in their lexicon anymore. What are your thoughts? And it, well, it would seem to be that you know, I would think you're you're uh, exactly right, Curtis, because you don't you don't hear um, talk about a limited republic because Democrats don't want limited government. They want government that can do everything that they want it to do. Um, so they're they're not interested in a limited government, a limited Republican government, Republican in the lower case sense. Um, they're interested in um, control. Well, a perfect example is an article you wrote in the uh, Epic Times or Epoch Times, as as you say, both are correct uh, about what's going on in California with Gavin Newsom getting five billion dollars. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, one point. $6 million in contributions and giving out $5 billion in contracts. You know, let's have government fund everything. But wait a minute. You can't fund everything by government unless you tax the people. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you, re- you remember what prime, former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher said. Pretty soon you run out of other people's money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's that's where California is headed. That's where America is headed if we don't uh, change course. The stuff with Gavin Newsom uh, was exposed by Open the Books. Uh, your friend and mine, Adam Andrzejewski, uh, Andrzejewski, excuse me. And it, it's just incredible. They had to, to battle with the California state government for seven years. Um, they finally sued the California state government in California court trying to force the state controller to uh, turn over uh, the state's checkbook, its spending data, like the other 49 states have done at Open the Books request. And somehow or another, the state controller found a California judge who agreed with them that well, that's, that would be an undue burden on the state controller staff to pull all that data together because the state of California, even though it has Silicon Valley within its borders, uh, does not have a centralized digital uh, database of its payments. So Open the Book said, all right, fine. They went out and they sent a public records request to all 461, I think, um, California state agencies, all but 27 of them responded with the data and opened the books, put all that data, and it's, it's a massive probe of data. They put it together on a database, and they made it public. So California taxpayers, uh, journalists like me, journalists like you, uh, who are interested in looking at the numbers and seeing what the politicians are really doing with our tax dollars, can do it. Uh, and lo and behold, what did what did we find? Or what did Open the Books find in their first real look at the data? Um, California, at the local government level, has a ban on pay-to-play processes where, you know, if you're going to get a contract from the local government, you have to make political contributions to local officials. You have to pay to play. Well, you can't do that if at the municipal level in California, but you can in, in California at the state level. 
Um, and it appears that uh, Gavin Newsom has been running a pay-to-play operation from the governor's office uh, for several years now because you've got, uh, I just looked at the top 30 of the uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vendors that, that, that sell or provide services to the state government. Um, Newsom got like $1.6 million in campaign contributions just from the top 30. Um, and they, in turn, got um, $5 billion in state contracts. Um, I, I figured it up for one of these companies. For every $1 they contributed to Newsom's campaign, they got $12,000 back from the state in a contract. So the return on investment, I'll give them credit for that. It's The ROI is, is great. That's because yeah, you have in action. Yeah, because the biggest winner you have here is Anthem Blue Cross. They gave 69000 to get back $845 million. Uh, yep. Second came up United Health Group. They give 121000 and they get $545 million. Bank of America, which happens to give credit cards out to illegal aliens, <clears throat> uh, donated 13000 and got $509 million. I yeah. mean, it's, these it's numbers are, are absolutely staggering. <clears throat> and you, you have also, you talked about the dynasty families. And... We know the Gettys. We know the Soros. Well, who are these Pritzkers? Well, the Pritzkers, the um, governor of Illinois <clears throat> at the moment, is a gentleman named Pritzker. Uh, the Pritzker family, I forget how they made their fortune, but they, they don't miss any meals these days, and they send a lot of money to Democratic candidates all over the country, uh, including President Biden, including Gavin Newsom, and probably pretty much any other major Democratic candidate that you can think of. Um, they have lots of money. They use it to support Democrats who are very, very, very liberal. Uh, and Gavin Newsom, you know, he's he looks like, I think he's thinking that, you know, Biden is not real popular, so there's going to be an opening there for somebody else to be the Democratic nominee in 2024. Um I think he has an idea that it could be him. You know, well, it's going to be very, very interesting to watch the dog and pony show coming in from the Democratic side on the ticket. Very, very interesting uh, coming up soon. But uh, talking yeah. about uh, the dog and pony show on the Democratic side, there's going to be another one uh, with the House Democrats with the oversight uh, House Oversight P- uh, Committee. And yeah. It's actually the House Oversight and Reform Committee. I like the way they throw the word reform in there. And the four top runners to take that seat all come from an area where they're mostly federal workers and contractors. Gee, you think the unions are going to have some sort of an influence on who's going to get that seat? What's going on there? I'll tell you, Annie. You know, before I became a journalist, I was um, a Reagan appointee, and one of the places that I worked uh, in the government was the U.S. Office of Personnel Management, which, you know, runs the day-to-day operations of the the federal uh, career civil service. My father was was a civil servant. He worked for the Air Force, uh, and one of my grandfathers 
was a uh, postman. So, you know, I, it's not like I have something against government workers. I come from a family of them in, in one sense. But I learned at OPM that um, career bureaucrats left to themselves will always, and if you think about it, it's human nature to always want to make yourself um, do things that, that make you more comfortable, uh, increase your uh, wealth, and so forth. And that's exactly what, what career bureaucrats will do. They constantly will use the power of government to feather their own nest, unless you have a strong um, president running the executive branch uh, who is determined to see that the policies that the people who voted for when they elected him, uh, the career bureaucrats carry them out without uh, subverting them, uh, which is very often what happens. Now, in Congress, the second most important committee in the House is the Committee on uh, Government uh, uh, Operations and Reform. And the the bureaucrats and the bureaucrat unions, um, I, they are dancing in the streets because it looks like the next chairman of the committee, if the Democrats somehow manage to keep uh, the majority in the House, um, it will either be Representative Jamie Raskin from the Maryland suburbs, mm -hmm. and the vast majority of his constituents uh, are either bureaucrats or government contractors, and the other guy who is very likely is Congressman Jerry Conley from just across the Potomac River and represents Fairfax County, which is also uh, primarily um, career federal employees and government contractors. So they're not going to be inclined to look upon efforts to reform the government and especially not efforts to reduce the size and scope of government because to do that will require having fewer bureaucrats. So it's going to be an interesting situation to see which one of them turns out to be either the next chairman or the most, uh, the highest ranked Democrat on the committee if the Republicans take over. Well, just imagine how much larger that union is going to be when they finally get all the uh, aides to the House of Representatives to be unionized. Gee, do you think there's going to be some major political peddling there? Well, you know, we've talked about that before. I, I have a feeling that the drive, which is primarily led by Democrats in, in Congress uh, and Democratic staffers, uh, I think that might be going to backfire on them because sooner or later there will be uh, a Democrat congressman's staff which won't do the work that the congressman thinks needs to be done in order for him to get reelected. And they won't do it because they don't want to. They want to do whatever they want to do. And when that happens, the Democrats in Congress are going to say, wait a minute, what, what have we inflicted on ourselves here? We've created a monster, and you just might see some changes at that point. Well, we already have going on nationwide what they call the quiet quitting. These are people that are employed, but they just aren't doing their job anymore. And can you imagine that with a congressional aide, 
the quiet quitting. You have a constituent coming in with a problem or a complaint or wanting to make their, their position on an issue known, and the staffers just sit there, yeah, 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 and just walk away, and the constituent yep. is left high and dry. That yep. will be what will happen. Well, if, if I tell you, Joe, I, I, I want I want to make clear, Annie, that, <clears throat> and if you if you listen to Senator Charles Grassley, you'll see what I'm talking about. In the federal bureaucracy are hundreds and hundreds, thousands of patriotic Americans who do work hard and they do love this country and they do dedicate themselves to uh, to their work. Um, a bunch of these guys at the FBI have been so outraged by what they've seen happening within the FBI that they've become whistleblowers, and they went to Senator Grassley and Senator Johnson over in the Senate um, trying to get you know, some help. So it's not like I think all bureaucrats are bad or all congressional aides are. The problem is when you give them so much power that they can do whatever they want, human nature being what it is, they won't do the things that are in the public interest. They'll do the things that are in their own private interest. And that's that's that creates problems. It is. It is. But you're talking about the FBI agents that are coming forward as whistleblowers. Um, I do believe the Epic Times carried this article about Ray putting out a memo to everyone saying that if you come forward, you're violating department policy and subject to disciplinary action. Now, what's going to happen with these whistleblowers when their names are made public? What, will, what ramifications, what retribution will Ray wreck upon these men and women's heads? Yeah. Actually, it's, it's even worse than that, Anne, because the, the memo you're referring to was issued by the Attorney General, uh, Merrick Garland. And the memo is incomplete, let's say, because federal law, and Senator Grassley put out a letter, to, uh, made public his letter yesterday to Garland pointing this and a lot of other things out. Federal law guarantees that every executive branch federal employee has a right to give information to Congress. And if you think about it, Congress has to be able to depend on uh, federal employees in the executive branch um, to give them the truth about what's actually going on uh, in their part of the government. So if, if something happens to these whistleblowers from the FBI or the Department of Homeland Security or any other part of the government, for that matter, uh, if there are repercussions against them, it will be violations of federal law. And the question then will be, will those violations be prosecuted? And if those violations are committed by people in the Department of Justice, we've really got a problem. Well, isn't there a Whistleblower Protection Act or something like that out there? Yes, yes. And Senator Grassley is one of the original sponsors of it, if I recall correctly. Um, as, you know, whistleblowers have a have a checkered checkered history because um, back in the 60s and 70s when they first began getting a a fair amount of of media coverage, they tended to be, frankly, people coming from a a liberal perspective. And so a lot of conservatives got a bad taste in the mouth about whistleblowers. Um, 
But then when the whistleblowers, for example, during the um, uh, uh, the IRS scandal, when Lois Lerner was exposed as having targeted uh, Tea Party groups, the whistleblowers were telling Congress about that, and, and conservatives began to see, well, this is a... This is a good thing. We need to protect these people. We need to encourage them to come forward and tell us the truth. That's yeah. that's what's happening now with with the FBI whistleblowers. Well, there's so much we could talk about, and I'm looking at the clock as the time is winding down. Uh, one of the other articles you wrote about is uh, Senator Joni Ernst uh, wants the Treasury Inspector if I can say this backwards or forwards, Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration uh, to audit the yeah. staff hiring and rehiring. Because you've got to remember, we've got 87,000 new hires coming into the IRS, and they seem to be hiring and rehiring people that cheat on their taxes. Now, wait a minute. You work for the IRS to trap or, or, or find tax cheats or errors, but the very people that are cheating are the ones that are auditing you. Gee, doesn't yes. that give you a lot of confidence? Yeah, Senator, Senator Ernst gave the IRS um, her latest squeal award. She um, awards squeal awards, obviously meant ironically, to um, various and sundry government outfits when she finds that they have um, committed waste, fraud, and abuse. She's a successor, by the way, very much to... Um, uh, Senator Tom Coburn from Oklahoma, uh, who was known as the Senate's Dr. No. He's the guy that uh, exposed earmarks and the bridge to nowhere in Alaska and so forth. Um, her point about the IRS is there have been several reports in, in the last uh, five or six years from the uh, Inspector General for Tax Administration that people in the IRS uh, were not paying their taxes. And I forget the specific numbers, but it was not, you know, a couple of Joe Blows here and there. It was, if I recall correctly, several thousand IRS employees. And Ernst found uh, not only were they not paying their taxes, but a bunch of them who had left the IRS uh, were being rehired. And you know, her point is, why are you rehiring these people that you know had to leave because they weren't paying their taxes, so they had to leave the tax agency? And she's asking the uh, inspector general for tax administration to monitor, if you will, the hiring of these 87,000 new agents that the IRS is going to get. Thank you, Joe Biden. Um, to make sure that they are not themselves tax cheats. Um, We'll see if, in fact, the uh, Inspector General is able to do that. Uh, But it's a very, very uh, valid point. You know, (laughs) Willie Sutton was asked, why do you rob banks? And he said, that's because that's where the money is. (laughs) Well, the IRS, that is not a good philosophy to have. If you want to find out the tax cheats, Hire the tax cheats. That's not the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> and, of course, they're going to go after the conservative voice. They're going to go after the little guy. 
because they know that the big guys have attorneys and money to go behind those attorneys. And uh, we can get more money faster by going after the little guys. Or let's, let's yeah. just silence them like they did with the Tea Party back in 2012. That worked out real, real well. So we can keep our jobs here in these union-backed civil service uh, agencies. Um, and we can fatten our pockets by getting as much money out of those stupid taxpayers. And we're not going to pay yeah. our taxes anyway. Yeah. Just, it, it's brilliant. The, um in 1962, when President Kennedy uh, signed the executive order that first made it possible for federal employees to join, to organize and join a union, um, one of the first um, of those unions was the National Treasury Employees Union. Uh, and, of course, the Department of Treasury includes the IRS. Uh, you definitely do have a union interest in um what goes on at the IRS. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I started talking about the, uh, the speech last night, but uh, Kevin McCarthy gave a pre-rebuttal. And when I was watching that, the one thought that struck my hand is they've already elected him the de facto next Speaker of the House when the Republicans reclaim it this November. It's, there's not even anyone coming in second at this point while I watched it. That's, that's the impression I got. What was the one you got? I, I, think, that's, I think that's pretty accurate. There is, um, you know, there was some thinking six months ago that perhaps Congressman Jim Jordan from Ohio uh, might challenge McCarthy. But uh, from what I have seen, Jordan has uh, decided not to pursue that. And McCarthy is... I have to give him credit. He has done a very effective job of uh, trying to unite the House Republicans um, in opposition to the uh, Biden agenda. And if the Republicans do get a majority, uh, it, w- it will not be a surprise at all that Kevin McCarthy becomes the next Speaker of the House. The real test for Kevin McCarthy will be when the House Republicans, assuming they do, uh, approves, for example, uh, legislation to significantly reduce the size of the federal bureaucracy. Biden will threaten to veto that, and then the question will be, are we going to shut down the government over this issue or not? And I'm not so sure that Kevin McCarthy is the guy who will say to Biden, shut it down, because we are not going to change. In other words, he'll fall right smack in the shoes of John Boehner. Uh, that's, that's the fear. Um, I hope I'm wrong, and, and I can see several good reasons to think that I would be, but we'll see. Mm. And it's going to be up to we, the people, to hold his feet to the fire. And uh, not yes. let that happen. And that's going to be that's going to be a very interesting fight to see coming up. Um, now we have also this judge that was has been trying to determine on um, the raid documents from Mar-a-Lago, and right now yes. she's like, well, I don't think I have the power to to appoint a special master's to review the documents to determine what can and cannot be. So she's just arbitrarily just releasing documents. Does any of that make sense? 
Well, I, I hate to tell you this, but I I have not followed that particular part of the issue um, as much as I probably should have. Excuse me for one second. I have to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, this is live radio. Really you never know what's going to happen. You never know. Um, I, I haven't really followed that that particular issue, uh, and there are some questions about uh, that particular judge. Um, I believe she was appointed by Trump. Um, I might be wrong about that, but I think she was. But there are questions, there are a lot of questions about this whole thing with the raid that um, I think we are a long way from knowing the answers. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what comes up afterwards. Uh, but it looks like they're trying to find something to indict them on. And listening to some of the talking heads yesterday on Newsmax, there seems to be a consensus that there is an indictment coming up. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that's going to hold up too well. I'm, I'm not convinced of that either. I think the, the main point of the raid and all of the real related stuff is simply to continue the barrage of negative publicity against Trump, uh, hoping that uh, it will force him not to run. Um, that's what they're hoping for, but I don't think that's going to happen. Because we just had Peter Navarro on, who's of the opinion that, yes, he is going to be running. Um, I've been hearing Dick Morris say that, yes, he's running. Hearing a lot of people that are close to him that say, yes, he's going to be running. He's just not announcing it just yet. Yeah. Yeah, you you hear you hear that uh, frequently among Republicans, and you hear frequently among Democrats as well, because they're uh, they're obviously uh, scared of that. All right. Well, Mark, people can find you at the Epic Times E P O C H the Epic Times dot com, and you're the DC correspondent as well as the founder of Hill Faith. God bless you, and we'll be talking to you uh, once again in two more weeks. Enjoy your long weekend. Sounds, sounds good, Andy. You and Curtis have a great weekend. You too. All right. Take care. Mark Tapscott. Check out, check him out at the Epic Times. We've got our final victim in on the show today. He was supposed to be with us last week, but we'll forgive him. <laughs> from the, the Heritage Foundation, the Daily Signal. I can't even talk today. Daily Signal. And he is the chief news correspondent and manager as well as in, of the investigative reporting project. God, I cannot talk today. Good afternoon, Fred. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, and you had a book that came out uh, two years ago that's still up on Amazon and doing pretty well, Abuse of Power inside the three-year campaign to impeach Donald Trump. Um, but they're still trying to do it, even though he's not even in office. They're trying to bring him up on charges. We were just talking about that. What have you heard lately? Well, uh, this is, uh, this is I, I guess, on some level, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there are multi-fronts. Um, I've, I've written about how there are multi-fronts for impeachment 3.0 in the past uh, uh, with these prosecutions that were going on. Uh, attempted prosecutions going on in New York, uh, Georgia, the January 6th Commission, and now, of course, we've had this. We've got this uh, Presidential Records Act uh, issue over classified documents with uh, the uh, FBI and, and, and the raid there, and and they uh, they've made more court motions uh, uh, about about that. Um, uh, so something I have written about recently for the Daily Signal, though, is that. 
Presidential Records Act controversies aren't entirely new for presidents. We've had we've seen that with uh, just even the past three presidents uh, had big controversies uh, with Obama, uh, Bush, and Clinton. But none of them have ever been prosecuted. Uh, none no, of them no, have had no. their, their their private property raided. Uh, and none of them right. have had this stuff splashed across the front pages as widely as it is with Trump. And the Trump derangement syndrome is completely run amok. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's the interesting thing about this. I mean, n- none of these other matters turned into a criminal investigation. Um, and uh, there, there are legal experts out there. Uh, um, Andy McCarthy is one of those who thinks that based on what were what was – in the affidavit, the, the heavily redacted affidavit, um, it doesn't seem like that there would be an indictment on this. Uh, so, so when I say impeachment 3.0, I mean that's how you would impeach a former president who's a private citizen. Now you would uh, seek an indictment. Um, it, it, it doesn't look like that. That's what. It doesn't look like they, they can quite get there. Um, on the other hand, you you would think that a D.C. grand jury, uh, just a heavily Democratic area here, um, it probably wouldn't be that difficult. Uh, that this was the uh, this was the same uh, D.C. Uh, jury that uh, completely acquitted the Brian Sussman, who who was involved in a lot of the chicanery uh, um, surrounding the FBI's investigation into RussiaGate. So uh, it is a politically loaded area. Um, it does depend on whether the FBI wants to tread there and, of course, also – or the Justice Department wants to tread there and also gets into the point about this is something that uh, the FBI made the decision not to uh, recommend the prosecution against Hillary Clinton for. Uh, that was back in 2016. Uh, and it, it was largely predicated on this view that she was reckless, but – uh, James Comey said at the time that uh, it doesn't look like that was her complete intent to expose classified information. So um, if, if intent was introduced into uh, things, in that case, it might be difficult to make a case against Trump, at least in public opinion. Well, we used to have a saying when I was working as a police officer, a grand jury can indict a ham sandwich. And if you get a right. D.C. grand jury, oh, forget yeah. about that. that. That's a slam dunk. They'll indict anything. That, that Even if it's not walking and breathing, they'll do that. So we had Peter Navarro on a little bit earlier, and it looks like they're doing anything and everything to intimidate anyone around Trump to get someone to roll on him. And they tried that with Paul Manafort. We had him on last week. They're just going after anyone in the Trump circle to get them to give false testimony against him is how I'm looking at it. The same way they're doing it with the January 6th. You know, plead to this charge, even though you're not guilty of it, and we'll, do a, we'll let you free. Just to make it look like you're yeah. as bad as we say you are. All right. And uh, I mean, the, the problem is this, this could play into Trump's favor. I mean, it, it could help him. I mean, even a... Uh, very uh, big Trump critic, uh, David Brooks, wrote in the New York Times uh, a, a week or so back that this raid could uh, help Trump get reelected. Uh, so, um, I mean, there, 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 there is 
there, there is a point where uh, if something doesn't seem if something seems fundamentally unfair to people, they might rally behind that person, or they might just throw their arms up. I mean, there are so many. There are only so many times the public is willing to hear. This is the time we've really, really got him. The walls are closing in this time. This time you'll see. You know, it's just right around the corner. You'll see. And and if that never comes to fruition, then people start having their doubts. And I I think there is a lot that the FBI is going to have to explain. Just give. Oh, you're breaking up some, Fred. Did we lose Fred? Yeah. Fred, you're badly breaking up. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I said that there's things that the FBI will have to explain based on past its past track record with Trump. Well, we've got these whistleblowers that are now coming forward, uh, Senator Grassley, Senator Johnson. They have them coming forward. So I think maybe the tables are starting to turn on this uh, strategy. Yeah, it could. Those whistleblowers are, are largely uh, related to, that, that we know of at least, are largely related to the Hunter Biden scandal the, uh, FBI, that the FBI tried to uh, stop from happening. But uh, it does appear uh, that uh, we, we don't know how many whistleblowers are coming forward and talking to the Senate. Uh, we, also, um, we also do know that based on a statement from Grassley recently that um, – the FBI has been trying to keep whistleblowers from coming forward. And, and that's something uh, Director Ray said that he would not do when he gave, that, when he gave his last Senate testimony. So, so, so that's something that will be interesting. I mean, to, to the degree that um, there might be any retaliation against these whistleblowers. Well, after last night's speech and the vilification of anything dealing with Trump or MAGA or conservatism, um, are you hearing rumblings from public opinion about how his speech went over, how he vilified half the nation, or actually more than half the nation? Are you hearing any rumblings? Yeah, yeah, the, I know Town Hall had an article. Right. The, the speech did not go over very well at all. And we had a piece uh, at the Daily Signal up today from uh, uh, Jared Stepman uh, that some excellent coverage on that. And it was, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, one, the optics were obviously very bad uh but uh, in in terms of um casting his political opponents as villains as as a existential threat to america um that didn't come off very well i mean uh president trump he, he may have stepped a bit far back when he said that the uh media is the uh, enemy of the american people uh but biden went much much further than that uh when he said that basically all of his opponents are enemies of the American people uh, last night. Uh, and I would go a little bit, uh, I, I would add to that. There was one point in the speech where he said that I'm not talking about all Republicans, not all Republicans are mega Republicans. Um, and so that, that made it sound, okay, maybe he's being reasonable. But from there he went on to say um, these people who are, uh, you know they're they're against abortion rights and against this and against that and largely explains what a majority of Republicans, even moderate Republicans like Mitch McConnell, uh, are in favor of. So that's he, he seemed to be really casting all his uh, political opponents uh, into this mega Republican view. 
And for, for that matter, he seemed to be casting the U.S. Supreme Court as mega Republicans because he uh, made a reference to the Dobbs decision. Now, I saw when I watched that speech, I actually had to replay the beginning because, as you said, the optics was absolutely horrendous. And Town Hall, I think, wrote in their article uh, that it was reminiscent of the Nuremberg trials. You know, uh, it, it really was very bad. And all I thought of, this is a fascist administration. is the only thing I can think of. The, the optics and everything. The way he walked down, I mean, even the lighting, just it was just horrible. Instead of having, yes, this is America, we're great, we're wonderful, we're beautiful, and give your lies about how great the economy is and how he fought COVID and beat it. No. No, we didn't hear that. What we heard was yes. MAGA bad, I'm good, and anyone against me is bad too. Yeah, it, it, it was it was just a very odd speech uh, uh, and just an odd presidential address. And, um, I mean, one odd thing coming on – I mean, it was in Philadelphia. Uh, two days earlier, he was in the same state, Pennsylvania, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, uh, in which he gave a speech and gave this flippant joke about uh, turning F-15 fighter jets onto Americans <laughs> to depose them. Uh, and then the, so he comes back uh, a couple of days later and talks about how he is the defender of democracy. Uh, thing oh, That was a you, joke, as, you, as, as best as I can tell. I'm not going to be like the anti-Trump people who think everything that Trump said was not a joke. But uh, I, I still think it's a, a – one can imagine if Trump made a flippant remark about F-15 uh, fighter jets on Americans, that would like be front-page news maybe for a month. But they've done that for Biden for his entire career, you know, talking about uh, Indians uh, owning the uh, the Seven um, Elevens. Right. If you remember that one, uh, yeah, right. as a lifeguard with the kids petting the hair on his legs. Talk about inappropriate. Uh, what was that? Right. Uh, the guy he claimed he kicked his butt corn pop. Uh, I mean, they let him go. Corn, and, corn pop was one bad. Yeah, and the, and his his. A resume on college, how that was completely wrong, and how he plagiarized. Uh, no, no, no. They they give him the pass all the time, but heaven forbid, Trump makes a private personal joke that goes public and viral. No, no, no. Red man bad. Red man bad. You know. Oh man. <laughs> Just to uh, switch yeah. the subject a little bit, we can. You have a great article about on Fauci. Um up on the Daily Signal, uh, and he said he's going to leave his job, but he's not retiring. Hmm, the highest-paid civil servant at the age of 81 is looking for a new page in his career. Can we ever get rid of this swamp creature? Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's going to be, um, that's going to be sort, sort of interesting. I mean, where, where, he, where he goes next. Uh, but there's also going to be interest who who replaces him. I mean, uh, he became sort of a uh, this this person who stepped into this role uh, as uh, as this sort of all-purpose bureaucrat who um, you know some people called him the most powerful bureaucrat uh, out there uh, because he did uh, command such a almost cultish-like adherence. 
particularly during COVID. And, well, well I, I should say only during COVID. I, I think uh, most people hadn't really heard of him before that. But I, there, there were so many things that he was wrong about. And uh, th- throughout throughout the entire period, uh, and um, he was wrong about masks. He was wrong about um, pretty much the lockdowns. And then, of course, the, the worst of all, um, we still don't know the full truth about gain-of-function research. Um, I think that if, if there is a new majority in Congress next year, uh, we're going to get some investigations into that and find that a little bit more. Yeah, uh, here he is. He's a bureaucrat, and anything he utters becomes law. Uh, hence, you've got the vaccine mandates. Wait a minute. That is in direct violation of federal law because it's an experimental drug, and no one should be forced to take an experimental drug. Yet, there are therapies out there that he would deny you using, knowing full well that they're not experimental and that can cure you, but he'll deny you those and force you to take something that you have the right to refuse. It's so confusing that this one bureaucrat, he becomes the law. And that's not a republic. Yeah, yeah. Um, correctly, uh, and it, it's going to be interesting, I mean, to see. I, I think people were sort of eager to turn to him um, during this, during, during that period. Um, I think on some level, they, uh, President Trump and the Trump administration uh, might have been complicit in allowing uh, as Steve Dace said, in, uh, when we interviewed him for the Daily Signal uh, this past week, uh, he made the point that uh, Trump did not fire Fauci. As uh, you know, that Abe Lincoln faced his choice uh, during the Civil War of uh, firing McClellan, who was uh, considered a uh, a genius on the battlefield but couldn't get the job done. Uh, it might have behooved Trump to to have taken quicker action, and he might still be president today. It's true. It's true. But yet now we have a problem where we have bureaucrats acting as if they are the executive branch, that they are Congress, all rolled into one. So now they are passing regulations that are being enforced as if they are law with all the penalties that follow with it. There's a big problem with that. That authoritative... Tyranny is not the American way. What the, um, and I think when people talk about the deep state, sometimes uh, conspiratorial notions come up. But I, I think that's like on some of the worst of, and, and Congress is to blame for some of this too. I mean, Congress has allocated or just given up too much of their authority uh, to bureaucrats because it's, uh, they don't want to be necessarily responsible for. Uh, for the lawmaking aspects, so, so they oftentimes pass these very broad laws and leave too much to the imagination of career bureaucrats. But yeah, and Fauci is, I guess, the sort of became the personification of this aspect of uh, the D.C. Uh, bureaucracy, in which he can, you know, simply uh, sort of make things happen uh, without uh, oversight, without checks and balance. Yeah, well, uh, you interviewed uh, Cheryl Chubney about her book, Lockdown. Um, right. But 
we have given up a lot of our freedoms by allowing someone like Fauci to dictate the new norm. Uh, mm-hmm. We no longer... You're, you no longer have your free speech because now the government's working with Twitter and Facebook and other social media uh, to say if you talk about COVID, uh, you're going to be censured or banned or cancel cultured. Um, if you don't wear a mask, you're a criminal in public. If you don't take the jab, you're a pariah to society. Can we regain our freedoms? Do we have hope? Uh, well, I, I think so. I mean, I I, uh, I don't think uh, pe- people need to necessarily uh, pin all their hopes on uh, any politicians or any political party, but I, I think people need to, just uh, as a general matter, uh, assert to, uh, to when, when they talk to their elected leaders, uh, assert what they want to see and assert that obviously we don't, people don't want to lose their freedom uh, because of an emergency. Uh, because I mean, on some there are still. Uh, let, let me throw this in there. There are still uh, bureaucracies here in D.C. where they say that they are closed down because of the COVID uh, pandemic, uh, which is really ridiculous. Uh, they people have it, it's uh, the old saying about never let an emergency go to waste. Uh, this was. Mm-hmm. This was a basic or a crisis go to waste. In this case, it's an emergency. Uh, people have viewed it not just as a way to like get off work, but, but as a way to push rules that they wanted to do for a long time. Uh, they, when I when I point out that entire buildings are closed because people just want to work from home, uh, we've seen that not just the federal government, straight down through the local governments with school teachers, with teacher unions gaining new powers, powers that they would have liked to have had beforehand, but they've used the pandemic as an excuse to stretch and push as far as they can go. And, I mean, that's obviously a problem. You, you shouldn't exploit uh, a crisis really under any circumstance. I, I think probably that's – politicians have probably exploited crises for uh, as long as we've had politicians, but uh, that's, that doesn't make it okay. Now, now uh, one of the things over at Heritage and you at the Daily Signal, which is part of the Heritage Foundation, have been doing is following the states and their election laws and also exposing uh, areas of, of, of irregularities, to put it politely. But you had yeah. an article recently about the worst election laws and 10 states that have the worst election laws. What did you find and who was number one, which is you would think is it's surprising. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, it was. Um, uh, well, well, the the worst was not California. It was actually Hawaii, uh, and Hawaii it makes a great vacation spot. But it's uh, uh, one of the pretty much or the worst for the Heritage Foundation's election integrity scorecard. Uh, it uh, ranks all fifty states, and uh, it, it looks at based on. Uh, Voter ID, based on how accurate the voter lists are, and also whether there are laws there against ballot harvesting. And let me do a quick explanation. Ballot harvesting, for not everybody knows, it's when political operatives are able to collect and distribute large quantities 
of absentee ballot uh, to and that can basically undermine the, the secret ballot uh, and, and allow for intimidation a lot of times. Um, so yeah, uh, Hawaii was actually the worst. Nevada, uh, which can be a, a battleground state or a semi-battleground state, uh, they've got a big Senate race this year. It was number two. Uh, California, uh, uh, a lot of people might have thought it was number one because it's the worst in so many other categories, but California is actually the third worst. And then you have D.C.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. D.C. DC is uh, in pretty bad shape as well. Uh, and then, um, then you have uh, Oregon, Vermont, uh, Washington State, uh, New Jersey, Massachusetts, New York, actually. Oh, you're broken up again. Nebraska, I, uh, oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, um, yeah I, <laughs> I, I mentioned Nebraska is the... Uh, is number 10 in terms of rounding out the bottom 10, the 10 worst. Uh, that was a little bit of a surprise. It's um, Nebraska is a red state. For the most part, uh, the states that were the worst with election integrity laws were blue states. Um, but the, um, Nebraska, the Secretary of State there, uh, he did talk to me for this story. Uh, he said that he is working on this, actually. Um, that um, I'll, I'll quote him. You said, yeah. "Well, Fred, you're dropping out, out of um, Yeah, but I, I got to tell you, Fred, we recently had um, here in South Carolina our Republican convention, and while I was oh. there, I was one of the delegates. Um, I was texting uh, our chair, Drew McKissick. Saying, I recently had Hans von Spakovsky on the show, a favorite guest of mine, okay. and he said, we, we're doing great here in South Carolina. We're sitting at number seven. And he texted me back and was like, that's great to know. So you guys do a lot of great hard work over at Heritage Foundation. And people can find you at the Daily Signal and read your articles and all the hard investigating you're doing and exposing these things. So the viewers, the voters, the citizens, the legal citizens, can have information that is true and fair. God bless you for that, and uh, yeah. I hope you Thank enjoy you this much. long extra weekend. Yeah, yeah, you too, and I uh, hope uh, your listeners will also check out my uh, upcoming book. It's called The Myth of Voter Suppression, and it gets into the, a lot of the uh, election integrity issues. Oh, when is that being released? It's coming out on the September the 13th, so not just around the corner, actually. Ah, well, you guys send me a copy, and we'll get you back on after I review the book. Okay. Sounds great, then. All right. All right. Have a great weekend. God bless. Uh, Fred Lucas, you check me out over much. at the Daily All right. All right. That's what we got for today, Curtis. Um, we've got – you will not be here with us next week. You are next going to be week. doing your your poll working, book your signing. poll watching, whatever yeah. it is. Oh, book signing. No, no. Book I, signing. I have All a right. book signing in Daytona for two days. Aha. Uh-huh. So Congressman, uh, former Congressman Ted Yoho will be joining us next week. I messed up in the show description. I put down he would be here today. That's my bad. It is next <laughs> week. So if you were clicking on the show from one of the other social network sites that sent it out to, whether it was Gab, MeWe, Trump Social, I mean, sorry, not Trump, Truth Social, or half the dozen places I, I sent it out to, um, you didn't read wrong. And he screwed up. <laughs> but uh, Ted Yoho will be with us next week. 
And we're starting to get a great lineup. We're ready for next week. So uh, then I say uh, that's all I got for today, Curtis. And uh, And I made it through the storms. It's um, some grand resort hotel right by the beach. I can't remember what the Ah. name of it is, but it's going to be nice. (laughs) Hotels by the beach in Florida is like um, being on vacation. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to thank everyone that was listening to us over on my webpage, Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com, where you can either watch the video uh, that goes up also on YouTube and Facebook, as well as LinkedIn and Twitter, um, as well as listening to us on Stitcher, Spreaker, and here on Blog Talk Radio and half a dozen other places. So we'll be back next week, and I'll leave you with a song from my friend Gary Pecorella. Save America. Good night. God bless. And enjoy a safe and good Veterans Day. And remember the men and women that we lost and the men and women that are here. Say thank you. Until then. Thank you.